Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on this Monday night. And we have so much to talk about throughout the course of the show tonight. We'll continue dissecting the Eagles. Um... And a couple things that I need to get to from Nick Sirianni's morning call with Angelo, where I was hoping that it would ease some of my concerns surrounding this coach, surrounding this team. It did not do that. I have even more concerns following what Nick Sirianni had to say on Monday morning. We'll get into that later on. Um, We'll get on into some vague answers, I would say in regards to the future of Lane Johnson in the immediate future for this season uh, from Nick Sirianni. A lot of Eagles stuff to get to, of course. We'll get to the John Gruden controversy, as John Gruden um, is no longer the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, And we'll get to that a little later on. Um, I have a social media gripe regarding that situation. So we will uh, get to that in terms of John Gruden, his... Resignation, and if you've been following this story, you knew it was headed this way the entire time. Like I, I, I thought it was headed this way uh, last week when the initial reports came out, even more evidence of you know inappropriate things that John Gruden said. Really, I mean, uh, vulgar things John Gruden had said in emails uh, where he really ran the gambit as far as all the people that he disrespected. Um, you know, racist. Uh, sexist, homophobic. Uh, he hit all of those areas, and you know he had to go. I mean, this is this is the way it works. Um, and we'll get into that later on. Um, and really, the bigger picture of what these emails that have been uncovered tells you, and why you know John Gruden, I think right now is the face of this, but it's going to go much deeper when you look at why these emails came out, how they came out, and the fact that this is all tied in to the investigation of the Washington football team. And somehow, Daniel Snyder still owns uh, that team uh, with all of the things that have have been alleged against that organization. So we'll get to that later on as well. But we need to start with the most stunning story of the day. That the prodigal son, Ben Simmons, has returned. He is back in Philadelphia, unbeknownst to many. Uh, Ben Simmons is back 
just prior to tip-off. He arrived at the Wells Fargo Center to take a COVID test and presumably return to the Philadelphia 76ers. After all the talk, after all the speculation, would he come back? Would he sit out? Would he get paid? Would he get fined? How much money would Ben Simmons have to give back to the 76ers? The situation has taken yet another turn, and at least for now, Ben Simmons is back. And quite frankly, I'm not surprised that all of this is played out the way it is played out. You know, I'm not surprised we are here right now when the Atlanta series ended and this offseason got underway Emotions were raw on both sides. I mean, really, that loss hurt everybody in the organization. And in the immediate future after that loss, I don't think anybody handled it particularly well. Um, Obviously, both sides were upset. The Sixers were upset uh, about how Ben let them down in that series. Ben Simmons was upset about Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid doing what he perceived to be throwing him under the bus after that series. Trade rumors flying around. And when both sides met in Chicago after the season, you know, that final week of June, and this was reported pretty much a few days, I think, after that Atlanta series ended, when they had this kind of meeting in Chicago with Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, and Rich Paul. And a lot of speculation as to what that meeting was about. There was no doubt in my mind at that point, that meeting was about how can we work on getting a trade done and moving on and getting Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia. I think that in that moment was exactly where both sides were. And that was the goal at that point was to find a resolution where they could move on. The Sixers could move on from Ben. Ben could move on from the Sixers and everybody could kind of, you know, move on with their lives and their careers. You know, he didn't want to be here. The Sixers were ready to go in a different direction. Um, But while that was the goal, that was never guaranteed. And you need somebody else to make a deal. And I think if the Sixers erred at all in this situation, it was in their belief that the value of Ben Simmons would be higher. Daryl Morey obviously thought that he was going to get better offers than he received as we headed into the summer and headed and headed into this offseason. But as time went on, and it became evident that there was not a logical trade partner, as we continue to hear the rumors, you know, uh, Golden State centering packages around Andrew Wiggins and draft picks, the Timberwolves centering a package around D'Angelo Russell, the Cavaliers centering a package around Colin Sexton, Daryl Morey very quickly started to realize that these aren't the type of offers that he was expecting. These are not the type of players that put the Sixers any closer to winning a championship. And if you have heard Daryl Morey speak at all, he thinks about everything in terms of championship probability and what gives my team, what if I am making this move, does this put me any closer to winning a championship? And the answer to all those deals that have been rumored in the offseason are reported is no, none of those things would have put this team in a position where they're any closer to winning a title and you're not going to cash in an asset that you have 
that is valuable. I mean, the value of it can be debated how valuable Ben Simmons is, but he does have some level of value. And Daryl Morey was not going to cash that in for what he thought was less than a fair deal. And when there was not a logical trade partner out there, and it became evident that the types of deals the Sixers wanted were not going to be on the table, I always saw this as the most likely outcome. And the outcome that made the most sense. Daryl Morey was not going to budge, and Daryl Morey shouldn't budge. I think he has handled this over the last couple months tremendously in terms of not being bullied, not being told what to do, and if the deal that he wants isn't there, you're under no obligation to trade Ben Simmons right now. No matter how much Rich Paul and Clutch tried to bully the Sixers, it just wasn't going to happen. Daryl Morey is not out in brand. Daryl Morey is not, you know, one of the previous guys who's been with the Sixers. He was not going to be pushed around in this type of situation. And Ben Simmons, despite what his camp said, was never going to sit out and give away that kind of money. And I always believed that this, as unlikely as it seemed, was the most likely outcome. And not just the most likely outcome, but the outcome that made the most sense for everyone. Both sides wanted to trade. And both sides still do want to trade. Like, make no mistake about it, I don't see this as a situation where Ben's going to come in, everybody's going to kiss and make up, and we're going to just move forward and operate as we operated last year and hope to win a championship, and it's going to be Ben and Joel for the next decade. I don't believe that to be true. I still think the Sixers want to make a deal. I absolutely still think Ben Simmons wants to be traded. But at this time, there's not something that makes sense. And when there's not something that makes sense, it makes no sense for Ben Simmons to sit out and give away that kind of money. It makes no sense, you know, for the Sixers to want him to sit out or to trade him for a deal that's not worth it. And for everybody, it's in everybody's best interest to come back and play. And this is the quickest way for Simmons to improve his value and to get that done, is for him to come in and play and play well. And here we are. And I don't know about you, I am far more excited for next week now than I was prior. Because it's going to be so interesting to watch. I mean, Wednesday night, Sixers start in New Orleans. Friday night, when they're back at the Wells Fargo Center, if Ben Simmons is on the floor, that is going to be must-watch TV. But as I see it, this is, as, as crazy as it sounds... This is what I think is best for both sides right now. For Simmons to come in and for him to be a sixer until they can find a deal that works. And that's what I want to know for you from you at this time to start the show. Can this temporary arrangement work? Can it work with Ben Simmons returning to the Sixers? Can Simmons come back and play for as ever long as this is going to take for them to make a move and get him to a destination and send him away from Philadelphia? Until that happens, can Ben Simmons come back here, be productive, 
and play well and help this team? Or will this be an issue that will rear its ugly head and will tear apart this season, you know, similar to like the T.O. thing or something like that, where Ben Simmons is going to come back and he's going to sow all this kind of dysfunction and this is going to make the team worse and they're going to be worse for it. That's the question I have for you right now. Your feelings on Ben Simmons returning and is this good for the Philadelphia 76ers? I think it is. I think this is the the solution that makes the most sense for everybody involved. And this is the quickest route to a trade in the end. The Sixers were not going to trade him while his value was down. His value was never going to increase until he came back in and played. And hey, if he comes in and he plays six weeks and he's putting up his triple doubles and he's playing good defense and he's doing all the things that Ben Simmons does well, his value will go back up. Like, there's no doubt about that. People have short memories. And if a team out there is struggling and they are in need of a franchise player or looking to rebuild and they see Ben Simmons playing well with the 76ers, he is going to be somebody that you'd think would would draw attention. And the offers could certainly get better if he were to come in and play well. And I want to know... Do you think this is something that can work for the Sixers? I think it can because it benefits both sides and because it, it it is in the best interest of both the Sixers and Ben Simmons for this to work. I don't think it's necessarily a healthy environment from a, a morale standpoint. I don't think it's something anybody's going to be necessarily happy about. But it can work, and it can work because it's in everybody's best interest to get him out of town as soon as possible. And I think this is what Ben Simmons started to realize as he was sitting at home and losing checks and, you know, seeing that Daryl Morey was not just going to give in and was not just going to trade him. That he was getting no closer to his goal doing what he was doing. I think he does get closer to his goal by reporting, being a professional, and playing. And this is what's best for both sides. I want to know how you feel about it. How do you feel about Ben Simmons returning? Do you think this can work? And do you think this is in the Sixers' best interest? I think it's in not just the Sixers' best interest, but Ben Simmons' best interest as well. This is the quickest way to finding a trade and a trade that actually works for the 76ers. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. We're talking about Ben Simmons to start the show tonight. Uh, but before we hit the break here, I want to go to Andy in Oxford. Wants to talk a little Eagles. If you want to get in on the Eagles, you're welcome to. Uh, Andy, what's up, man? Well, I got to say, I got to switch my topic now. Okay. Uh, if that's okay with yeah, you, Yeah, no Tom. problem, man. Talk about uh, whatever you want. Uh, I think Ben Simmons is really painting himself into a corner. He comes back to the team. He's got fences to mend uh, with the teammates and the coach. And if his goal is to get out of Philadelphia, he's maybe it gets him to do what he's truly able to do, um, which I think it's there. He just. You know, the free throws and, 
you know, after everything we've seen in the last couple of years with him, if he doesn't show that, nobody's going to want him. And the Sixers aren't going to – he's going to have no trade value. And so right now, it's poised that it's good for everybody. And if he gets it going and can play like I think he can play, I don't know that he will play that way. But if he can play up to his abilities, then you sit back down and say, now, Ben, why can't we do this the rest of the season? You know, you're doing great. You're scoring 18 points a game and 12 assists and eight rebounds and, you know... so Andy, you know, so you still you still think there's a chance that this can work long term? You still think there's a chance that Ben Simmons can come back, can you know yeah. correct some of the things he's done wrong, and and you think he could stay here potentially all year and further? Well, if if he show you know, it's funny because if he shows he can do it, then that puts all the all the balls in the uh, in with. Elton Brand and, and Maury and saying, hey, we love what you're doing. Can you keep doing it? Yes. Yeah. Or do you not want to stay in Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's there's no doubt about that, Andy, and it's going to be really interesting to see. And and before we get out of here, I did have a quick question for you. Do you have any Northern Arizona nuggets for us tonight? I know you're uh, our Northern uh, Arizona yeah, correspondent. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Okay. Thing I didn't. Now, Tom, I do have to say, I was in the hospital for two and a half months this summer. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I'm okay now. Okay, that's good. Uh, but being that I figured I was going to be talking to you, I do have nuggets. Okay, good. Not Denver nuggets. Okay. Oh, uh, I see what you did there. That's a good one. Now, in, in my uh, absence, they beat University of Arizona, which is a Pac-10 team, which they've never done before. That's a huge win for them. Oh, it's for Arizona, for Northern Arizona, but ASU and U of A, my my brother-in-law grew up in, in Phoenix area. You know, Arizona, USA, uh, U of A are huge rivals. And then to have NAU come in, and beat U of A is like it's never happened before. But I, uh, I I'm looking at the standings now. They're one and one in the conference. All right. Uh, their overall standings aren't so good. But I do want to go back to saying that um, recently, after the 2020 NFL draft. Um, a pair of any of players signed free agent contracts, uh, quarterback Case Cookus. Okay, nice. O O K U S. Okay. Um, signed with the Giants, and Khalil Dorsey signed with the Ravens. Now, that's, that's good stuff, Andy. Well, I, I appreciate the update, man. We, we got to run, but I, I appreciate the update, and I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're recovered. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So I'll, I'll call in each yep. week and give you stuff. But this Cookus guy was the Walter Payton runner-up uh, 
in 2019. All right, so, well, I'll have to check them out. Well, yeah, I, I definitely want the Northern Arizona updates to continue, Andy, so I really appreciate it, man. Good stuff. Go Lumberjacks. All right. Go Lumberjacks. Go Lumberjacks, baby. All right, Andy, thanks for the call, man. I forgot. Thanks for typing that up, Mike. I forgot Andy was our Northern Arizona correspondent. I, I love to get that that kind of info from him. Yeah, it, it kind of hit me after I put him up on, on the board. I, I forgot to talk about him myself with them. Yeah, well, I'm glad he gave us his nine. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad he's doing doing well uh, after being in the hospital. And I like the Nuggets joke, too. That was that was a good one on the fly. Not Denver Nuggets. Uh, I enjoyed that. So thank you to Andy. And it was great hearing from him. Haven't heard from Andy in Oxford in a while. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, you want to talk about the Eagles, uh, you're welcome to, as we still deal with the fallout from uh, Sunday. I'll be back on tomorrow as well. It'll be my last time on prior to Thursday night football. So we'll do a full Eagles-Bucks preview tomorrow night. Um, but right now, talking about Ben Simmons. And this seemed unlikely, as I was talking to Jody, even like six hours ago, this seemed impossible that Ben Simmons would be back in Philadelphia. Yet here we are. He's officially reported. I mean, I'd imagine maybe he'd be at practice tomorrow, which is going to be wildly interesting. Um, I would love to be a, a fly on the wall as Ben is meeting with Doc and meeting with Joel Embiid, and they try to figure out how to move forward here. But this is what's best for everybody involved. And this is how I thought this was going to go down the entire time, barring a trade. If there wasn't going to be a trade, Ben Simmons was never going to sit out. He was never going to forfeit that kind of money. He was never going to commit to this stance. And when we get back, I see Anthony. Anthony, we'll we'll get you up. And then I need to get to what Ben Simmons needs to do now, um, first and foremost. And number two, the type of advice that Ben Simmons has gotten. Because in my opinion, his representation has done him an incredible disservice this offseason in so many ways. So we got all that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on this Monday night. And during the break, just reading... The latest from Woj is he just put out what he says is his final Ben Simmons story of the night. I guess Woj is finally calling it a night um, and going to get some some sleep here before a big day tomorrow. But Ben Simmons is back, and Woj says at this point, the question is, you know, Ben Simmons is set to meet with Sixers leadership on Tuesday. You know, I'd, I'd imagine that's certainly Darryl Morey and Doc Rivers. I'd imagine... There's got to be a meeting with Joel Embiid as well. And this is going to determine exactly how things trans, uh, you know, progress from here. And if Ben Simmons, you know, if a reconciliation is possible and, and a lot to be uh, still fleshed out. And we'll get into that as we go throughout the show and we'll get into the whole odd circumstances of how Ben Simmons showed up and why that could be concerning if you were somebody like me who was hoping that he can come back and play and play well and you know everybody can can make up until a trade is reached but as I look at this situation right now the onus is on Ben Simmons to at least in some fashion 
regain the trust and the respect of the players in that locker room. Like, that's where we are right now. Because, like, they wanted to talk to him. Two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, whatever it was, whenever training camp opened, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, all those guys were ready to hop on a plane, go to California, talk to Ben Simmons, and squash this and get things moving in the right direction. He didn't want to see them, was adamant that he wanted to stay at home. Um, They wanted to go see him and talk to him, and he told them no. And like Embiid said, he found it disrespectful. He found the whole holdout disrespectful that Ben Simmons did not want to, you know, even entertain the idea of coming back. And it is disrespectful. It's disrespectful to all the guys at training camp who are busting their ass every day, trying to get better and, and trying to do what's best for this team. And, you know, it's going to take time for him to earn back that trust. And step one, uh, you know, and I don't know how they fully reintegrate him, how they fully, uh, you know, I don't think this situation is ever going to be fully fixed. I don't think these wounds are ever going to be fully healed between Simmons and the organization. But step one, and I don't know if Simmons has the guts to do this, but he needs to apologize to his teammates. Like, he needs to get up in that locker room and apologize to his teammates for what he has done over the past few months. Because this is a business. And guys are going to be involved in trade rumors. And we know you wanted to get traded. We know the organization wanted to trade you. But that's no excuse to act the way that Ben Simmons has been acting. And to bail on his teammates, not just in the series against Atlanta, but this offseason. And that's what needs to happen first and foremost. Is Ben Simmons, if he is serious and... There's certainly still a lot of questions about that, whether he's genuine in why he's reporting here. Um, But if he genuinely wants to come back and be a part of this team until he's not a part of this team anymore, then he needs to do work on his end. And he needs to do his part and recognize where he's at. And step two has to deal with his representation and how I think he should proceed there. We'll get to that in a few minutes. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. As we talk about a story I did not expect to be discussing tonight. Um, ben Simmons returning to the Sixers and presumably at this point returning to the floor and potentially uh, being out there with the 76ers when they open the season in New Orleans next Wednesday night. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Go to Anthony in the Northeast. What's up, Anthony? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Listen, I think that right now we just doing trade bait for Ben Simmons because I really don't think he's going to step on the court for us this year. I think that we're just going to have him out there so teams can see, okay, Ben Simmons is ready to play, and then we go ahead and strike a deal. So what do you what do you mean? But you don't think he's going to play? What do you mean? You think he's just going to be on the bench? Yeah, I, I think that he's going to do kind of like the James what James Harden did last year. You know, he's going to come out. He may even play a game or whatever, but they're not really trying to get him hurt because it's one team to see that he's out there. And then I think that we're just going to go ahead and trade him. You know, I, and then like my thinking is we should try to get at the uh, Kyrie Irving. No, Anthony, you don't want Kyrie Irving. 
Trust me. You, you don't, don't want Kyrie Irving? No, I don't want Kyrie. Kyrie Irving may not even play for the Nets this year. Kyrie Irving could decide he doesn't want to play basketball at any moment. You never know what's going through his head. I would I would not trust Kyrie Irving. I, as much as he's a great player, um, I would not trust him. I would not want to bring him in. Well, I, I think Ben will be back, but I don't know if he. I don't know if Ben will last five games because I think as soon as he'll get on the court, we're, we're going to trade him. I, I can't think that he go back to his locker room and it's this way that is, that is how like how Joel Embiid is looking at him. I just don't think that that Ben Simmons will be somebody that will be like having a locker room that we want to keep. Yeah, no, I my personality. Yeah, no, I get it, Anthony, and I appreciate the call, and that's that. That's why. Simmons needs to, on his side, you know, reintegrate himself to this team and admit that he was wrong. Like, it's pretty simple. He needs to admit that he was wrong and he needs to step up um, and apologize to his teammates. Because the fans, stuff like that, they Ben Simmons doesn't care about the fans. And the fans aren't going to get an apology and, you know, I, I whatever. That 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 is something that... He just doesn't care about, and and it's not something that that is a huge deal to him. But I do think in that locker room, there are are things that need to be fixed. And I guess on Ben's on, on Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers' sides as well. I think Doc and Joel Embiid are ready to move forward. They've expressed that several times over the last few weeks that they're ready to move forward. That they're ready to move on. Ben Simmons better be genuine here. And if he's coming in, it better not be to fake an injury or to, uh, you know, just try to recoup some of the money that he's lost. He should be coming in ready to play because that's in his best interest. And it's been in his best interest the entire time to play, play well, and increase his trade value. And he might not think that's his responsibility, as was reported earlier on in the offseason, but it's what's necessary. And... It's the only way he's going to get out of town as quickly as possible. Uh, let's go to Kevin in Wimwood. What's up, Kevin? Hey, how you doing, sir? How you doing? I'm good. So, first-time listener. I'm usually not up this time of night, but I had some stuff to do. It was a great show you got going. Right Thanks, here. man. I, 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 like, I, love, I love your show. Appreciate um, it. So, there's two names that are very crucial to this subject for me. One is Scotty Brooks. And the other names, which you don't have time for me to name, are all the other coaches and scouts and analytic uh, guys in the NBA. Their, their names are, are crucial to this conversation as well. And the reason being is obvious. Scotty Brooks uh, exposed him for the fraud that he is um, during the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, that, Kevin, you're and, right. That's when it all started, was game four when they started fouling yeah. him intentionally. That's when it all started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and no offense to any of the sports writers or, or reporters in, in our area, because they all do a great job. And none of them are perfect, of course, and we're all human. But that's the name that we need to be focused on. And the other, it depends on what the other coaches do and scouts or whatever um, this season. Because he's going to be a good player. He's going to be an all-star player regular season. He's all defensive. He's going to have, he's a, if you take 94 feet of the court and you give him half of that, he's, he's, he's great on the defensive half of that court. No problem. He's great. He brings a lot to the game. The problem is the other half of the court, and not even in a regular season, the other half of the court, he's fine. 15 points a game, he'll do his assists and whatever else. But when he's exposed and is a very intimate setting in the playoffs, uh, hey, I'm going to see you two more days from here, buddy. Okay, you won that one. 
I, I bet you he knows how many moles that, that that kid Young has on his face at this point. It's so intimate when you play these playoff games. You follow what I'm saying? That yeah, no. Guard. Yeah, and no, so, there are things that he does well, and that's why they're a better team with him on the floor. Listen, I will tell you this. When we had eight teams left in the playoffs and we got knocked out, and starting with Atlanta's uh, point guard, Trey Young, and then if you want to go to any other point guard, you know, Holiday that won the championship, any point guard that was left, the guy in Utah, the point guard, Chris Paul in, 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 in Phoenix, and so on. If you take any one of those point guards off of that team and put them on our team, we win, we win the championship. So that's what I'm saying. When you get to the playoffs, it's an entirely different intimate setting. And I'm going to make one analogy real quick because I know you're short on time maybe. Mm -hmm. If you have a person in your life that is addicted to whatever, uh, uh, gambling, drugs, whatever, and you can have an intervention all you want, and, and many of us have been there in our real lives. Until that person is ready, you're wasting your time. Of course, we know that in, in hindsight, in love, you're wasting your time pretty much. Until they're ready to get off of whatever it is. If he's not ready to be great, I'm not even talking about killer great like Michael and, and Kobe and, and LeBron. Not even that level. A level below, if you will. If he's not ready to be at that level, that means... I don't leave this mother effing gym until I'm shooting 80% every time I go into this gym from the foul line. If he doesn't have that mentality, we're all just spinning our wheels. And it's really up to how much these coaches want to expose him during the regular season. Right. You know? Yeah. If they don't want to expose him, he'll be great again. He'll be good in the regular season, and it'll be all fine, and we'll all be giddy and giddy and giddy. But the, the rub is the playoff. The rub is the playoff. That's when it matters. We're going to make the playoffs if he plays or not. We're going to make the playoffs. I think we can all agree we'll be a, a, a five, six, seven seed or whatever. But that's not a problem. We'll be we'll make the playoffs. The problem is, what will we do in the playoffs? Will he will he be different? Does he want to be great? My personal opinion is he's not that type of human being. He should have been humiliated into I'm not leaving this freaking gym this summer, every day until I shoot 80% from the foul line. I agree, Kevin, and I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the call. Good call. And, you know, I don't think he's got that inside him. I don't think I, – like, I don't think we're going to come back, and I joked with Jody during the crossover that wouldn't it be great if we see Ben Simmons take the floor next week and he comes out and he's shooting three, four threes a game and he's shooting 80% from the line. I don't expect that to be the player that we're going to get because – I think this past offseason was a real opportunity, and this is what's such a shame about it, is that I think it was an opportunity for Simmons to be introspective and realize that, okay, I really do need to fix this, and I do need to expand my game and improve in these areas. I don't think he's done that. I think he was so worried about getting a trade that, you know, he's sure he's been working on the things that he typically works on, but I don't think we're going to see a dramatically different player. But I do think Kevin makes a good point that, his game does look good in the regular season. Like, in the regular season, when coaches are not going to do everything necessary, they're not going to start fouling him in the third quarter. They're not going to start putting him on the line consistently, which really impacts his game and, and, and shows his flaws because that makes him tentative to go to the basket, makes him tentative to even get offensive rebounds because he doesn't want to get fouled. He's going to look good in the regular season. And it's another reason why him coming back and playing is the quickest way to get traded because it's going to increase his value. And I think maybe now that's what he understands. And, you know, I told you what I think step one is here, that he needs to apologize to his teammates 
But step two, Ben Simmons really needs to reevaluate the people who are surrounding him and the people that are giving him advice, starting with Rich Paul. And when we get back, I want to talk a little more about that uh, because Ben Simmons is a grown man. He makes his own decisions, and he's responsible for a lot of this. But his representation has given him some of the worst advice imaginable this entire time, and it's hurt him. It's hurt his reputation, and it has hurt his standing uh, in the league and his standing as far as trying to get a trade. And we'll talk about that a little more when we return and just how bad Rich Paul has handled this situation uh, as Ben Simmons' uh, agent. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Continuing to talk Ben Simmons. If you want to get on the Eagles, we'll get to you as well. Get back to the phones when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you uh, on the overnight show. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, In a minute, I want to talk a little more about the advice that Ben Simmons has gotten this offseason. Because it's been truly horrible. And, you know, uh, one of the things he really should look into doing is, is hiring new representation. Because he's a grown man, obviously, and he makes his own decisions in the end. But he's getting this advice from somewhere, and the advice that he has gotten benefits him in no way. It's got him no closer to his goals, no closer to getting out of Philadelphia, um, and the way this has been handled has been botched from the start. I'll get into that a little more in a few minutes. Uh, first, let's go to Theodore in East Oak Lane. What's up, Theodore? Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Uh, yeah, everything beautiful. The call before me, yeah, yeah, about Ben Simmons, I mean, he needs to apologize to the team, that's number one. And I mean, I don't even know if he's coming back because he wants to really um, be, um, have the team or just because of the money situation. Or if it's him or if it's the agent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the motives of this, Theodore, are something they got to figure out. And if he's coming, like, at this time, I think it's, it's, it's time for Simmons to stop the BS. Like, seriously. Stop the nonsense. Come back in. You tried to force your way out. It didn't work. Come back and play, and it's the quickest way to get him traded. You know, when you told me what I heard about the plane trip, that I came to go out to see him fly mm-hmm. on their own time, and he didn't accept that, that shows a uh, uh, mentality. You know, I mean, we're talking about there's no island team. So, I mean, if they fly it out there and want to see you, your whole team is going to fly out there and see you. I mean, we're not talking about down the street, drive to Center City. We're talking about flying. He only want to accept the, just the talk. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No. This is not going to work. I mean, at the end of the day, I think he's just suit up, sit in the back, let the young boy back there. I forgot his name. The guard is doing his thing. And just trust the process. Yeah. No, I got you, Theodore. And I'm sorry. I got to let you go. A little uh, bad audio quality there on your phone. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I did want to, you know, talk a little more about Simmons and the way this has all gone down. Because... I do think it's it's borderline malpractice in terms of the advice that he's gotten and the damage this has done to his character. Like, it never needed to get this ugly. It really didn't. Like, both sides 
had the same goal. Like, it's not a situation where Ben Simmons is trying to force his way out and the Sixers wanted him to stay. Like, that's what they're saying right now publicly, but we all know that's not the case. Everybody involved wants him to get traded. And if everybody wants you to get traded, it didn't need to get ugly, and this only served to hurt him and hurt his trade value. This doesn't improve his standing around the league. People didn't him want him to get his way for a variety of dif- different reasons. And this did not help him in any way whatsoever achieving his final goal, which was getting traded out of Philadelphia and getting away from the Sixers organization. It just made him look like a childish baby and didn't do anything to help him in that regard and help his value. And this was never going to work. Like the idea that this was going to happen and that Ben Simmons was going to be able to sit at home and force his way out was just not going to work. And it was never a reasonable play from the Simmons camp. And I'll go back. This was late September. um, And this was Woj at the time giving an update on Ben Simmons and where he was at that time with his holdout. David, Ben Simmons not only will not report for the start of the Sixers training camp next week, he intends to never play another game for the franchise. Now, he told that to ownership management in a meeting in late August. He has not had any direct communication with the organization since, uh, but he understands there are financial ramifications of this, potential suspensions, fines, and perhaps even the withholding of salary. He's owed $33 million next season. But right now, Ben Simmons is willing to sit until he gets a trade out of Philadelphia. The Sixers have yet to find a deal that they're willing to do. They want Ben Simmons in camp. They want him to start the season with Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers. They'd like to see his trade value improve and then find a deal out in the marketplace but right now, if Philly's going to find a trade for Ben Simmons, they're going to do it with him on the sidelines because his intention now is to not play another game for that organization. And that was just not a reasonable a reasonable strategy from Ben Simmons because he has four years left on his deal. Like There was no way that that was going to work. He can say he doesn't want to play, but eventually he was going to start losing money. And this is why I thought the entire time this was how things were going to end and that eventually he was going to end up reporting to camp. Here was Bobby Marks uh, last week on Zach Lowe's podcast, The Low Post, talking about you know the impact of Ben Simmons and him not getting the money that he's owed. Well, it's a lot of money. And I think, it, you know, 50000 for missing practice and 2500 for missing practice and 20000 it's small potatoes compared to what we're going to start seeing um, with this loss in salary. And that money is not going to be, that money is not going back to Benson. And once, and and it's not coincidental that once the games start, once the preseason games begin and that money, those fines start increasing, that the pressure starts mounting on Ben Simmons. We heard this last week that, you know, it was taking a toll, the loss of the, of the checks and, It's why this strategy was never going to work, no matter how desperate they were to make it seem like they were, you know, dug in. And here was more last week on the low post from Zach Lowe of from what he was hearing from the Simmons camp as recently as last week. I said, if you set the over under at November 1st, 
I'm taking a slight under maybe that Ben Simmons reports by then because of the financial ramifications that you're talking about. I made that prediction knowing that everyone in Simmons camp is saying we are sitting the season if we have to. I just, and and that was very strongly reiterated to me after I made that prediction on my podcast. Maybe they're telling, maybe that's all true. I am just skeptical that Ben Simmons is going to light, thir- what is he making this year, $32 million? $33 million. I'm, I'm skeptical he's going to light $33 million on fire because he's that whatever about the Sixers. Now, people within Simmons, what's the full value of his contract? $170 million, something like that? He's got 147 left. 177, I think, was the full value. What was put to me was 32 million is not 170 million. Yeah, but like Zach Lowe says last week, they're just willing to throw. Oh, yeah, no, Simmons Camp is saying, oh, 32 million dollars. That's not 32 million. I don't care how much money you got. 32 million dollars is a lot of money, and you lose the service time. And this is why the advice Ben Simmons got this offseason was was just ridiculous and it's why step one he should apologize to his teammates step two he should fire rich paul's ass immediately immediately and this is kind of the way i've read this thing the whole time what i haven't understood about their approach is that simmons has no leverage he never had any leverage you have four years left on your deal This is not the anthony davis situation anthony davis had a year and a half left on his deal when he got moved First of all, Ben Simmons is nowhere close to being the player Anthony Davis is and was not going to command that kind of a trade package. But number two, he has four years left. And Rich Paul just acted like, oh, well, this worked with Anthony Davis. We'll just do the same kind of approach and we'll ratchet it up even more and we'll send out all these leaks. But you, when you have no leverage, you can't act like you have it. And it's why this situation was never going to work out in Ben Simmons' favor. And Simmons definitely determines uh, or deserves a ton of blame. He could have ended this whenever he wanted to. He could have reported whenever he wanted to. He could have told his representation, stop the leak, stop the BS. We're not getting our way. This didn't work. Let's just end this, and hopefully we can keep this quiet and get traded in season. But Rich Paul did him no favors here. And the people around Simmons, this has been a problem for his entire career is the people around him not telling him straight and not giving him good advice, whether it's in terms of, you know, how to improve his game, what to do with his shot, what to do with his free throw shooting, whether he's shooting with the right hand, etc. But the advice that he has gotten in regards to how to handle this situation has been borderline malpractice. And he should fire Rich Paul immediately for contributing to putting him in this situation because it has hurt his reputation. It has hurt his standing. It has absolutely damaged his relationships with this organization, with his teammates, with his coaches. Um, And it was never going to work. And I never understood from the beginning why Rich Paul, Clutch, and Ben Simmons took the approach that they did because it was doomed for disaster from the very start. 215-592- Nine four nine four. Let's get EJ and West Philly in here. What's up, EJ? What's going on, good brother? Every day above ground is a good day, but I would like to say that this day is a little less good, and I know that's not correct English than most. And I'm going to explain to you why I feel that way. I feel like 
This whole situation makes the city of Philadelphia, the organization of the Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons, Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, and the NBA look foolish, childish, greedy, and corrupt. There's no winners in this situation. None. For me, Terrell Owens had a better case for his contract dispute after the Super Bowl than Ben Simmons ever had. How could you do that after your performance against the Hawks? Against the Hawks. We, we was the number one seed. We lost three games at home in which two times I can remember having 20-point leads. And you disappear in the fourth quarter to the point where you don't take a shot. And is it four or five of the last four or five games in the fourth quarter? And then on top of all of that, you fail to take advantage of Trey Young. Trey Young, come on, man. And we would have let all of that go. An apology. Uh, I'm sorry. I do better next year. But you acted like you won the series. We, he acted like he helped win the championship, and now he wants better. I, I just don't understand it, man. It just it just drives me crazy, and it makes me feel unPhiladelphian, if that's a word. Well, and the- I just don't understand how they could bring him back here with all of that. How you said that he's damaged all these relationships. How the fans feel about him? How could you bring him back here? You're setting up the organization and him for even further failure. AJ, I totally get that sentiment, and I think the way you feel is the way most people feel. But I'm trying to look at this pragmatically. You know, I'm trying to take the emotion out of it. And when you look at it from that perspective, I do think like this is your best chance to get the best possible value in a trade. Like, and I know, you know, a lot of fans. A lot, probably a lot of players on the team, probably a lot of the coaches. They don't want Ben Simmons here. Ben Simmons doesn't want to be here. But it's in the best interest of so everybody. How do you make it work. It's in the how best. Do you make it work because it's in everybody's best interest. It's in everybody's best interest for him to come out and play well for six to eight weeks and his value to go up, and then you get better offers and he can get traded. And that's the way I'm looking at it. Is it's best for everybody. If they if they can try to make this work, I don't know if they can, but trying is the best approach. Two things, real quick. Um, I really think that the Eagles are a better team than what people give them credit for. I think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than what they give them credit for. And I'm gonna tie this into the John Gruden thing. First of all, I'm disappointed because I like John Gruden ever since he was with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Number two, I played in the Catholic League in the 80s, and we had coaches saying stuff that would have made John Gruden look like Eminem. So in one level, I feel like we all getting pretty soft, and most locker rooms are filled with racial and sexual stereotypical jokes. The players all know. Anybody that ever played sports, anybody that ever drinks beer, anybody that ever goes to a sports bar knows this is true. But my point that I'm trying to get at is, if they start going after other coaches and GM's emails, what will we find about them? Because I'm pretty sure that what he said is not isolated, and a lot of people feel that way. And watching the game tonight, I happened to be on my phone watching the thread, and some of the horrible things that fans were saying about Lamar Jackson. I mean, come on, bro. He's a former MVP. So for, for me right now, the way he's playing, for people to keep criticizing him and coming at him, it has to be a racial situation. Well, EJ, and I appreciate the call, man. Good call. And yeah, I think, I mean, Lamar Jackson has been dealing with that, unfortunately, since he entered the league. You know, that that's something that in 20 years, or going back longer, African-American quarterbacks have had to deal with, and it's not fair. And I'll get to the Gruden situation when we get back, because, um, you know, I know a lot of people are going to have that mindset that... You know, should we be at retroactively punishing people 
and cancel culture and all this kind of stuff. I'll give you my take on it when we get back. Um, and the bigger picture, because I think the bigger picture is important as well uh, to to look at exactly what's going on in the NFL. But we'll we'll examine the the John Gruden thing when we get back. Isan, Mike in South Philly, Jim, I see all you guys. We'll get to you coming up. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Talking about Ben Simmons, we'll get to the Gruden stuff and, and still obviously a lot more Ben Simmons uh, stuff to get to as well. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. I always get impatient there when I'm supposed to, what is that, hitting the post? I never hit that post on that one right. I always get very impatient toward the end of it. When it's a little bit of dead silence, that's not it's not very good for radio. So, I, you know, I always jump the gun there a little bit. Yeah, in my opinion, that front part should not be included. It's too long. Way too long. Maybe we could pick it's it up just, in the middle. It's the wrong part of the song. Right, yeah. Um, but... Uh, I don't know who edit, edit, edits those. We're not, you know, uh, critical of anybody else here. It's been forever since they've been changed, right? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, we got to update these a little bit. Um, not that I'm willing to do any work on it, but if anybody is, uh, that would be great. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, talking about the Ben Simmons situation. And, you know, whether this can work. And we'll get into how he arrived, which was extremely odd on Tuesday or Monday night at the Wells Fargo Center prior to tip-off of Sixers-Nets. But this is how this was going to end the entire time. And I'm like, I'm surprised that more people didn't see this coming. Like, if Daryl Morey was not going to trade him, the idea of Ben Simmons sitting out was just not realistic. Like, it was not realistic. He was not going to give back that, back that kind of money. Eventually, he's going to come have to come in and play. And it's exactly what's going to happen. I expect him to be on the floor next Wednesday night in New Orleans. Uh, we'll see if it ends up happening. It would make me far more excited to watch this team. There's little, bu- not a lot of buzz coming into this season. Make it interesting. Uh, if not, if not healthy, it would make it interesting. And this is what's best for all parties involved. This is the quickest way to get him traded. Come in, play well, let the value go back up. More possibilities could open up around the league. He gets his way. Hopefully the Sixers get a better package. Hopefully they get a player that enhances their odds to win a championship, which is what Daryl Morey's always about. Uh, This is the best way to do that. That was not happening if Ben Simmons just continued to sit. Just wasn't going to happen. Well, isn't the real hope that there isn't a fracture again and everything is back together and there is no... You know, transaction down the line? They, I, they just go for it? I don't think that's realistic. I think this is all because I, I don't think Ben Simmons has any desire to be here long term. This is about recouping his money. Like, I th- but don't you think there's a chance his entire mindset changed when he found out that his agency got the CBA wrong? I, I don't. I don't. I still think both sides want a trade. And I think that is part of like the agreement here is like you come in and play. We'll try to trade you. He knows they've been trying to trade him, but I think he's finally starting to get it through his head that that just wasn't happening until he plays basketball. 
Uh, so maybe. I mean, I'm at this point, I'm not willing to rule anything out. This situation's already changed a billion times since it started, uh, but I don't foresee that happening. But real quick, I did want to get to the the John Gruden situation that was really the breaking national news on Monday night. And first, I'll I'll give you my social media gripe in regards to that, um, where everybody at at once seemed to be releasing the same mock statement from the Raiders. Like everybody was releasing the same mock statement. I'm reading this like it's actual Raiders letterhead and it gets like midway through the statement. And then it's like the same joke. And then Castellanos hit a deep drive to left field. It's funny, you know, relatively funny, but it's, it's played out after the first five people do it, you know, after, and you know, the saddest thing is when you know the, the later people that you see doing it, have seen the joke and are just repurposing the joke like in, in, and, and I saw you give a hearty chuckle, Mike, and, <laughs> and on its face, the original joke is funny, but once you see it five times, it's no longer that funny. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know I, mean? I, I like to, when they mix in the, uh, I, I believe, uh, I carry myself as a man of faith. Yes. And, uh, you know, all that spiel. You did You did let go a big, uh, a I big did. hearty laugh. You did cock back in your seat and uh, everything. I, I'm always down for a Casiano's deep fly to left. Uh, okay. So, joke. so you, you, you know, you, so you, you don't, you don't love the gripe. I think it's no, just. I enjoyed I enjoy the gripe. It was and, a good gripe. And I wonder, and we were, ta- I was texting you the other day about the people complaining about the Dodgers Giants game starting <laughs> late. Yeah. And you made a good point about shadows too. Like they can't start it earlier for shadows. So now, these well, coach just, people want also the players to be put at a disadvantage. We just watched the wild card game where, you know, like there was one, like both teams, I think, hit a mistake or there was one, one or whatever. And then you basically just kind of wait around and whoever gets lucky first wins the series. Like that's kind of stupid. Right. And by the way, we'll have a Gabe check in later. Gabe uh, outmanages Roberts tonight, a one nil win for the Giants. Giants one win away from the NLCS. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll get to the Gabe check in later on. Looking down the line too, the the NLCS it's interesting because it's either Gabe against uh, the guy he respects a lot, Craig Council, or Gabe gets another shot at Brian Snicker. Who Snit, yeah, Snit, uh, you know, outmanaged, you know, or beating the division for him uh, two years, kind of cost him his job here. I think we both accurately, well, not accurately yet, but we both picked the Bravos. I think in that series, yes. So, uh, and I do think they'll get it done. They took a two zero lead uh, on uh, Monday, but two one. Uh, Two, that I thought that's what I said. Did I, I say two zero? Oh, my bad. Maybe I misheard. Uh, I, I think I, I think I might have misspoke there. But uh, I want to get to this John Gruden situation. And first to set it up for you, John Gruden resigns from his post as Raiders head coach on Monday. Um, I'll get into it further. But here was Ian Rappaport uh, on NFL Network. Yeah, and Tom, it's hard to believe that John Gruden could have continued after tonight. And from what I understand, the NFL actually sent over the contents of these emails uh, to the Raiders on Friday, waiting for them to act, wanting to see how they would respond to the really disgusting emails sent by their coach, who had, as of the time of the emails was not actually their coach. At this point, he was working uh, for ESPN. It was, of course, about a decade ago. The Raiders did not act, and then, of course, we saw the more emails published today uh, a couple hours ago by the New York Times, more disgusting language, more racist remarks and homophobic remarks from John Gruden. You mentioned Carl Nassib, the first out NFL player to to, uh, play in a regular season game. How would Gruden have walked in the locker room and addressed his players with them knowing what he thinks of some of them and people who look like them? It's really 
hard to fathom him returning as Raiders coach. So John Gruden, after meeting with Mark Davis and a couple other key members of the organization, decides that his time is over as the Raiders head coach. You mentioned some interim potential options. Gus Bradley, of course, spent several years as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is among the top options for the Raiders as they continue, as they try to figure out how to move forward from here. So if you're not totally informed on the situation, essentially, John Gruden had emails uncovered from years ago with vulgar, inappropriate remarks um, that, uh, you know, basically went after a bunch of different groups. And I'll say this. I have very little sympathy for Gruden in this situation. I know people will talk about cancel culture and this happened a long time ago and it was a different world then and retroactive punishment. You shouldn't have that in these days and you shouldn't be judged on what you did years ago, but it's not that hard to not do these things. Like that's what I continue to come back to. It's not that hard to not, you know, be racist or homophobic or sexist. And John Gruden was nailed for all of it. Every different type of prejudice bias you could have. These emails uncovered that John Gruden had bad things to say about women as um, gays, um, you know, uh, African-Americans, every group, pretty much John Gruden demeaned and insulted in these emails. And, I have very little sympathy. I don't care when it happened. You just don't do that kind of stuff. It's really not that hard to not be a jerk. And I don't feel, you know, bad about what happened to John Gruden one bit. But what is interesting about this situation and what's hard to believe for me about this situation is that these emails came about Because this was part of the investigation that the NFL is allegedly doing into the Washington football team. And if you remember, at this point, it was about a year to a year and a half ago. I think it was during the pandemic when this story came out, Um, like when we're in lockdown, uh, because I was actually riding with the king that night and we were talking about it. But how Daniel Snyder had these allegations within his organization of... uh, you know, sexual misconduct and cheerleaders basically being taken on trips and coerced into doing, you know, things they obviously didn't want to do. And all of this, all of this bad stuff going on within the Washington football organization. How has nothing else come out from this investigation aside from emails from John Gruden in which some of these emails, John Gruden is directly insulting Roger Goodell. And this is where, you know, there should be further punishments here. And why is Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington football team, seemingly being protected? And the only emails, the only acts of of impropriety they've gotten from this whole investigation is the emails from John Gruden. I have no problem with John Gruden being punished John Gruden should have been punished there's no way he could have gone back to being the Raiders head coach um, and I thought it was headed in this direction the entire way but how has this not gone further in terms of the Washington football team and this is the problem that I have where Roger Goodell is punishing John Gruden and he should be punished 
But why is Dan, Dan Snyder still an owner in the NFL? Like, why does he still have a football team when all of these things happened within his organization? And what was his punishment? What punishment has Daniel Snyder had throughout this whole thing? He had to change the name of his team? That's the one thing that he's had to do? Despite all of these, you know, disgusting allegations coming out of things that happened under his watch? That's the problem that I have is that this should go further. And it shouldn't only be John Gruden, but Daniel Snyder shouldn't be the owner of that football team anymore. Because I find it very hard to believe in all these emails, in all of this stuff that they've investigated, the only things that they found were, you know, John Gruden insulting a bunch of different groups and insulting Roger Goodell. And this seems to me like Roger Goodell is protecting Daniel Snyder, who is his owner buddy, And punishing the people that he wants to punish. And again, I do not want this misconstrued in any way as, you know, me being on the side of John Gruden. I absolutely think Gruden should be gone. And I have no sympathy. I don't care when it happened. Retroactive punishment, cancel culture. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. You don't say what John Gruden said. And it's not that hard uh, to be a decent person and not say those things. Um, but I think the punishment should go further. And I would love to know why we haven't seen more evidence from this investigation and why we haven't seen more evidence um, and and what really went on within the Washington football team while Daniel Snyder's been the owner there. Uh, Roger Goodell's protecting his buddy. That's how I see it. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, let's go to Isan. What's up, Isan? What's up, TK? How are you, bro? Not bad, man. What's going on? Uh, so I got, wanted to talk. I'm not going to talk about Ben Simmons, really. I'm sure every caller is. I'm going to go right into football, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk about what I saw tonight with watching the Ravens versus the Colts game. I remember the other night when you were talking about like the Eagles coach needing to like build or play to Jalen Hurts' strengths mm-hmm. or like properly evaluate him, like being able to put him in a position to be able to properly evaluate him for this year. And one thing I watched when I saw that game with the Colts. They put a team around Carson Wentz, and I'm going to give credit to Frank Reich or whoever, but they put a team around him that really plays to his strengths so that he's able to shine in ways where there's very little room for error if he just does the simple thing. Because a lot of the things tonight were, like, skewed. His numbers, of course, he had over 400 yards or whatever, but he got, like, a 76-yard pass that was really a 5-yard pass and a 71-yard run to a running back. And those are the kind of things that even when he was here, he was good for throwing to the tight ends, throwing to Darren Sproles, and like just short stuff, not really known for the deep ball. But it was good to see what an offense can look like when you build it around the quarterback and then you're able to see what the quarterback can do within it. So I hope that the Eagles do actually allow Hurts to play within his his strengths and within his uh his game. Yeah, Isan, and and I I agree. And uh, hey, I I'll I'll give I'll give credit where it's due. I thought Wentz played played pretty well. I thought he played pretty he well in that game. Um, but what I look at in terms of, of playing to their strengths and and the team that I was real interested in with that game is I look at Baltimore and I think what they do to put Lamar Jackson in situations to succeed. That's what the Eagles need to do with Jalen Hurts. Like so much of their offense is based off utilizing Lamar Jackson as a runner, and I don't understand why the Eagles don't do that more with Jalen Hurts. Right. 
And Lamar's developed into a passer, too. He threw for over 400 tonight, too, I believe. L- Lamar looked very good in the second half tonight. Yeah. He was tremendous in the second half tonight. Yeah, he was. So, also wanted to talk about something. Last year, during the social unrest, if I'm not mistaken, you gave a lot of callers an opportunity to, like, talk about – I think I called into your show. I don't know if it was you or not. But there was an opportunity to, like, talk about experiences where we felt wrong as a black man or whatever. Was that your show? Uh, you yeah. Last year? Yeah. So I remember, like, talking about how I had gotten accepted to West Point, but I had my appointment to West Point taken from me for something technical, when in hindsight I was able to find out it was a systemic way to keep me out of something that I actually earned. And one the reason I bring that up is because of sports stuff, when it seems like these coaches or just people in power like Dan Snyder or whoever, they're not judged by the content of their character in a way. They really are just able to get away with things. And it's bothering me because Eric, the enemy, he should be a head coach in this NFL. Like, he, he's got the, the resume. He's got one thing that people hold against him. I think it's a DUI or whatever. I'm not really even sure what it is, but I've heard people bring up on the air, but he did this. He has this one thing. But Urban Meyer is a head coach, and scandal follows him everywhere. And I'm not, I'm not really sure if John Gruden's had other scandals, but John Gruden has a scandal right now. You know, and it's like, at what point do other people get opportunities to prove what they've done or what they can do when they've actually earned the opportunity to have that opportunity? You know what I'm saying? Like, they've done things along the line that says, I should have this opportunity to prove myself and see what I can do, even with flaws on their record, when others have flaws in their record and continuously get opportunities Yeah, sometimes promotion. Isan, I mean, the Urban Urban Meyer being hired by Jacksonville was ridiculous to begin with. I mean, any professional organization or any, and this is, and it is the sad part of it because Urban Meyer will end up leaving Jacksonville and he'll get a big time college job, and it's you know it's not right. You're right about that. It's not right. Now I don't know if Gruden had any um, scandals before this, but but from what I'm I'm at least reading, uh, apparently, if you knew John Gruden, this is not surprising. So that's yeah. all I know about it. Yeah, I hope people get opportunities out there, man. I appreciate your show yeah. and also the way that you allow people to talk about other things, too. I'm looking no. forward to hearing Mike from South Philly, yeah. too. No hope problem, Isan. from the Weave soon, too. Yeah, thanks, Isan. I appreciate the call. Weave is, is good and well. He sent me another DM, uh, which I, I still got to get back. I, I forgot to get back to Weave, but um, I did get that notification. So Weave is out there uh, doing, doing Weave stuff. Who knows what that is today? Um, but, uh, he's out there somewhere and I'm sure he's monitoring, uh, everything and, and doing his, doing his prep and <laughs> that didn't sound healthy. That did not sound healthy. Yeah! That, that sounded a lot better. Uh, 215-592-9494. <laughs> what the hell is that? Uh, Mike in South Philly. See you coming up next. Jim and Josh will get to you guys as well. Uh, talking about the Ben Simmons situation as he returns, um, getting into the, the John Gruden thing as well, if you want to talk about that. And we will get to the Eagles. I need to get to a few things Nick Sirianni had to say from his call-in with Angelo on Monday, where I was hoping to feel better about the state of this coach and the state of this team, and I did not following that phone call. So we'll get to that as well. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Talking about Ben Simmons as he's returning to the 76ers organization for the time being. Uh, Tuesday should be an interesting day. Um, Apparently, he will have meetings with Sixers leadership uh, to determine the next steps. I mean, I don't know. Next step should be get on the practice court, uh, you know, and get ready for next week. And Ben Simmons needs to apologize to his teammates. uh, Recognize that this holdout did not work. It is not going to work. This has always been the solution that made the most sense uh, that he should come back and play. And, and, um, you know, we move on. Let's start the season. Let's let let's let's go Sixers and hopefully we get a trade done in a few weeks. What do you think, Mike? That sounds sounds like a win-win for everybody. What if this this holdout did work though? How did it work? What if that there is value in Ben Simmons uh having it reaffirmed to him that like no no no, like we are not just like throwing you away. Like we want you to come back. Like this is like, like, like a mental boost for Ben. Like he needed uh, the organization to to still he needed more people to tell him that he was still a good player after that series. Maybe I I think that part of him expected him not part of him. He he I'll just go out and guess he flat out ex- expected them to say like ah hey, you know what the hell with this guy we're gonna trade him anyway like we're just gonna tra- I don't care where we get like even if it's seventy five cents we're just gonna trade him like the hell with him. I agree with that. I yeah I agree with that I think that is what what he thought and he learned since then like okay like Joel Embiid is not closing the door on me Doc Rivers is not closing the door on me like I you know yeah, I, I guess they got through to him but I don't think they're like I don't think they're not closing the door on him because they actually want him to be here long term they're only closing the door because they're not getting I mean when the best player you're getting offered back to you is Colin Sexton you can't make that deal. If you're Daryl Morey, I, I buy that, but like Joel Embiid doesn't care about that. Like Joel Embiid doesn't, he's not looking at it like I don't. I think I I don't think you're giving Embiid enough credit for you know his deeper thinking. Like Embiid and Morey are very very tight. I think Embiid wants to win, and he I think he wants to win a championship, and he knows. I think Embiid has handled this very well. Where right. But- he knows that to win a championship, he needs to get a, a really high-level player next to him, and he knows the best way to do that is for Ben is to for, come back and reevaluate, rehabilitate his value. No, no, because I don't think like I don't think Joel really cares about like Ben's value increasing so high that they can get like the Blazers twenty twenty six pick swap. Like I don't think he cares like that far down the line or that deeply about like it, like. It, it could be whatever. Like the trick could be whatever. He, if he really wanted Ben Simmons gone, he would just like tell him like, "I'm done playing with this guy. It's either it's me or him. Like figure this out." But I, I think I get it from he and Rivers. I, I kind of get the sense that they realize they don't have a chance of winning without him. So yeah, they might as well do it. They can, you don't have to have a great chance with them, but they might as well figure out what they can do to have their best shot. Well, to me, it's all about getting a star level player. And right now, a star level player is just not out there for them. Like whether it's Beal, Lillard, these guys that they have had targeted, that guy's just not out there for them. And I think Embiid and Rivers, I think they all realize that, okay, well, our best chance to get one of those guys is who knows what can happen six to eight weeks into a season. Maybe one of those teams get out, gets out to a bad start. Things start to spiral. Maybe Ben can rehabilitate his value. I do think this is a more long-term thinking 
from the Sixers organization. I don't think this is, regardless of what's said. It would said, be from Maury, but not from Embiid. I don't know. I don't think you're giving Embiid enough credit there. But why, was, why does Embiid care about like getting like the right like pick swap or whatever? We, I, he doesn't care about that. He cares about getting a player like a Lillard or getting a player like a Beal, getting a legit number two, which he doesn't have right now and he's never had. That, that's what Embiid cares about. He, I think he wants to win, and to win, he knows he needs help, and you're not getting that help right now. Or just, ben or, or just the other way they're viewing it is who's the best, you know, available talent to us? Oh, Ben Simmons is. Yeah, I just, I don't, I personally don't think this is a long term solution. So, uh, you, I, so you think like by February Ben's gone? Yes, I, I, I think before that, I, I, I think that he is gone as soon as the Sixers get a deal that they think is worth it, which. Uh, you know, well, could yeah, I mean, yeah, if they yeah. offered Giannis for him tomorrow, like, like, right. But I, I mean, I think they would do it for a lot less than that. I, I would say uh, Ben Simmons is traded at, by January. Uh, it, uh, by January, I don't think he's here anymore. Uh, I don't think this lasts very long. All right. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, how's it going, Tom? What's going on? Yeah, um, my social media grape, actually, it, it doubles as um, – you know, my, my John Gruden point, because, you know, I, from reading the report, like, it wasn't just um, Bruce Allen. There was a lot of people that were involved. Like, I read something where he was sending, they're sharing emails of, like, new cheerleaders through multiple people. It was, it was a lot of different people. So I didn't he, see that, but, yeah. Yeah, it was some, there, was some, there was something there about that as well. Um, so there's a lot of people involved. And you know how fast word spreads around the NFL. I guarantee you a lot of people knew about this for many, many years, including NFL insiders. You know how many people NFL insiders talk, the Schefters, the Rappaports, the Garofolos. You know, I guarantee you a lot of them, if not all the people who covered the NFL knew about this, including NFL higher-ups, including owners around the league. And then when I see people go on social media and talk and giving their outrage now, I'm like, how many of these people knew about this and are only bringing it up now because it's public. It just comes off as so phony to me. Like, if you are that angry about it, then you should have you should have exposed this when it happened a decade ago. You know, not waiting until it becomes public to go crazy about it. And I guarantee you Mark Davis knew about this. It, I guarantee you Mark Davis knew Mike, about this. It's a fair point, and this is what's bothering me so much about Goodell, because you know, this is not like John Gruden's not the only person that's been incriminated here. And the fact that yeah. Goodell is like protecting his owner buddy Daniel Snyder is ridiculous. Like everybody who did things inappropriate should be, you know, punished for this. That's the point of this investigation. And like I have no problem with Gruden after res- having to resign. He should have to resign. Uh, but you should punish Daniel Snyder and the other people who were involved as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, the Raiders, it's their organization. If they want to fire him, that's their prerogative. I know he technically resigned, but I, there's probably a mutual understanding. Like, you know, you resign, otherwise we'll have to fire you. Um, if it were me, I, I probably would have asked the players. I would have said, can you play under this guy? And if they said yes, I wouldn't have, I mean, I, I might have kept them. If, I mean, it depends. Like, I, I saw Josina Anderson, our, you know, our Philadelphia's favorite reporter. Um, she said she was texting some players, and some players stood up for him and said, you know, uh, the guy that I've gotten to know over the years, coach, you know, playing under him um, is a different guy. And I, you know, it, I think there's a different thing. Like 
I think you get to truly know a person when you interact with them personally and you're around them and know how they treat you as opposed to just general emails talking trash. And if players went, you know, these emails are wrong and they're offensive, but at the same time, I've known John Gruden for how X, X amount of years and I'm willing to play with this guy. If that was the overall sentiment of the locker room and I was an owner of the team, I wouldn't have had a problem keeping them. But again, I, it, the Raiders, they can do whatever they want. It's their organization. If they, if they decided that it wasn't going to, if, if it was an untenable situation, um, then they should have fired him. Yeah. And Mike, I just, you just don't survive that kind of stuff. Like, you just don't survive it. And the, the things that he said, like, we're, we're, we're very wrong. Like, I don't think this is a situation where you can just sass the players and say, well, if they think it's okay, it's okay. And, you know, I, I watched Sunday night football, Tarico and Dungy both, you know, s- stood up for him on Sunday night, but that stuff doesn't, doesn't really matter. You know, when you say the stuff John Gruden said, you're going to lose your job over it. And I don't think that's unfair. Uh, I wouldn't say it's unfair. Um, again, it's their organization. They can do whatever they want, you know, mm-hmm. um, But I think, like, when I see, like, on social media, um, a lot of the insiders going crazy, I I do wonder how many of them knew about this and are only – um, are only you know doing it on, on you know publicly for clout because they know that if they didn't jump on the bandwagon it would make them look bad. How many of them knew about this a decade ago and said nothing? I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair point, Mike. Yeah. I think there's probably um, you know a lot of people who did know about this and didn't speak out about it. I, I think that point is is certainly fair. Yeah. Um, for for Simmons, my my question is what when the reports came out that. They were whatever he was coming to Philadelphia, and they were negotiate a way to make this work. Like, or I forget the exact terminology they used, but it was something something like that. But what is there to negotiate? Like, he's either willing to play here or he's not. They're not gonna like. The only thing I can think of that that would you know entail would be giving him his fines back, maybe. But like, what are they gonna do? Like, oh well. You know, we'll pat you on the back before every free. Th- like, <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, uh, we'll be more nice to you from now on. Like, what what can they possibly negotiate? He's either willing to play for the Sixers or he's not. I think it's simply what what Mike and I were just talking about. I think this is a situation where they are going to work, come to an agreement that the second we feel like we can trade you for something that's worth it, we'll trade you. Like, we're going to trade you, but the only way we can trade you is for you to go on the floor and rehabilitate your value. I think that's probably what Simmons wants to hear more than anything, is not the fact that they want to build around him long term, but assurances that when they can trade him, they will trade him. That's that's what yeah, I Yeah, but that's not contractual. That's just like a, a gentleman's agreement. But like... <laughs> But what if a deal doesn't come along? Like, I don't even think that that technically does much. Like, okay, you, you come back and we're going to try to trade you. Well, I think his camp already knows that the Sixers want to trade him anyway, right. right? So I don't think anything's really changed in that regard. It just seems weird. I, you know, I, I do wonder, like, this would get really ugly if he, you know, because this thing always turns on a dime every month and some, something new happens. If it does come out that he only – he only came here to practice, but he doesn't intend to play games. And you see, you see him on the suit, I mean, on the sidelines in a suit for every game, and he's here. That, honestly, that's what I'm rooting for. Forget about what it does to the Sixers. Like, I just wanted, from an entertainment perspective, I just want to see what the fans would do if when the season starts, he's in Philadelphia, but he's on, he's on the bench in a suit. And I want to see... What the fans, how the fans will react every game. That would be the most entertaining aspect of this whole thing. Yeah, I hear you. I appreciate yeah, it, Mike. Thanks, care, man. man. And, and I, I, 
like, I don't know how, I mean, if that were the case, then you wouldn't pay him if he's not going to play in games. Like, then, okay, we have really made no progress here. So I'd assume it has to be that he's going to come back and play, or else, like Mike said, if he's not going to play, what are we What are we talking about? Like, what exactly is getting accomplished? I think he is trying to probably recoup some of that fine money. That That's obvious. Or maybe he wants a no-trade clause in writing. Why would Ben Simmons want a no-trade? He doesn't want to be here. No. Maybe I mean, what they're discussing is that, like, hey, you're back. Like, we're selling you back on our program, and he. he I think that his whole thing is part of it is why am I going to go through the motions and suit up here, only to get traded in a couple months? If they say like, no, Ben, like, we're not kidding, we're not trading you. You don't think that like helps his headspace? I do. I I think Ben Simmons wants to be out of this city as soon as humanly possible. I think a week ago he thought that, but clearly like something's changed. Yeah, what's changed is he's losing money. Like that, well, I, I think he, it's, he was last week. Yeah, but the more money you lose, that starts to okay. It, it like this literally just reached a million dollars tonight. Like to me, the, or did he avoid it since he got there in time? Well, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Whether what is over, or just under. To me, yeah. the only reason he's reporting is because of the money. Like I don't think it's a renewed commitment to the Sixers organization or you know a desire to play. I think it's simply that you know he. He wants his money. And this is why I just don't understand like what his representation was doing this entire time because he had no leverage. Like, okay, you sit, they find you, you're gonna lose your contract. And he wants to make his money while he while he's here. And, you know, I th- I think it's as simple as that. But uh, when we get back, I see Josh and Jim definitely we'll get you guys right after the break. And I also want to talk about the reception Ben might get if he's Suited up next week, next Friday night when the Sixers host the Brooklyn Nets. Because I have, would you call this a hot take, Mike? I've kind of, uh, I've clued you into it. But I have, I have a take when we get back on the reception Ben might receive next week. And I think it might surprise you. So we'll get to that. That's a Philly hot take. When we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. Um, And back to the phones in one second here. But I did, uh, you know, it did occur to me as we're thinking about this Ben Simmons thing and the awkwardness of all of it, what would that moment be like? Next Friday night, if Ben Simmons does return to practice this week, I'd assume that would mean that he would play next week in New Orleans and would play next Friday night when the Sixers host the Nets at the Wells Fargo Center and the type of reaction that he would receive. And, uh, you know, throughout all this, we've talked about all oh, this is guys going to get booed worse than anybody's ever been booed in the history of Philadelphia. He's going to get it worse than J.D. Drew, T.O., anybody. But Danny Green. <laughs> Danny Green. Uh, the people have forgotten about the Danny Green thing. Uh, that was never going to be a big deal. But, you know, and I think as an opposing player, Ben Simmons would get that treatment and and will get that treatment when he does return here as an opposing player, which whether it's this year or beyond will happen at some point if he's traded like I expect him to be. But if Ben Simmons takes the floor for the Sixers next Friday night and Matt Cord announces a 6'10", what, what do they call him? A guard or do they call him a forward? What do they call him when they introduce him? You're at all the games. 
I don't think they maybe they do call him a guard. Six ten point his, guard probably. That that would help his ego, right? He wants to hear that. Yeah, when they say a six ten point guard from LSU, I think just guard. I don't think point guard. Maybe Ben Simmons. No, they say a six ten from Melbourne, Australia. Ben they Simmons. don't. I thought they said from LSU. They used to, but they. Oh, so he's dropped LSU now too. Yeah. Okay, so he's abandoned them as well. But when Matt Court says a six ten point guard from Melbourne, Australia, number twenty five. Ben Simmons. I think he gets a round of applause. I think he gets a standing ovation from the Wells Fargo Center. One that he does not deserve in any sense, but I think he'll get because Sixers fans are an odd breed. They're a rare breed. You're one of them. You know, you always talk about how I don't understand this fan base because I'm not one of the guys. Well, you do. I mean, you, you, I, I always talk about that. I think you view yourself as a more knowledgeable Sixers fan because your boots on the ground every night. Don't I mean you can disagree with yeah, it but if I, you I, I, if you want, but I, I think, think it's I true. always talk about that. Okay, you don't always talk about it, I guess, but you believe you're more tuned in than I am because you're on at every I, game. I, you do. I think I have more of a pulse. But yeah, I <laughs> I do not uh I do not anticipate that happening. I, I really? think I think I'm gonna be in the wow. minority and not booing him. I, I think it's gonna be I don't know. Like a lot of people are just like really have been really nasty and just angry about this. And I know, but when you get into that arena, it's a big game. It's nationally televised against those the the Brooklyn Nets. KD, James Harden. Who knows? Kyrie might be there. He might. He might be there. He might not. He. he, You know. Who knows what Kyrie's going to be feeling that day? But the crowd's going to be fired up for the home opener. I don't think they're going to want all that negative feeling in the arena and I think Ben Simmons gets a standing O on opening night. I truly do. What if what uh part of what Rich Paul's negotiating with them tomorrow is Ben wants to ring the bell? <laughs> that would be I would I, I bet you the negotiations up into would, it. I bet you the negotiations would be the only thing they would request is that Ben not ring the bell and not have to ring the bell. Uh, that that's what I would think. But I don't know. That'd be a nice way to get the, you know, get people on your side right away. It worked and, for Al Horford. And that's why it's bothered me, like, this whole idea of the fans being the blame. Sixers fans are the most irrationally supportive fan base ever. Like, like ever. They, yeah, but- they, 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 Mike, Markel Fultz. No, 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 I'm not going to argue. But listen, okay. the, the critics, like, the, the people who hate the Sixers are just so, like, they just, they drown out a lot of the Sixers fans. Like, the people that like go out of their way to rip the Sixers are just like. Well, I heard Gus earlier. I don't think that the people, everybody who calls, doesn't like the Sixers because they rip them. That would mean Gus doesn't like the Eagles. Gus rips the Eagles all the time. Gus does not like the Eagles though. But but I think Gus is an Eagles fan though. I don't think he. Well, he listen closer to his cause. He's not. Yeah, maybe. But like I'm, a, I'm a Sixers fan, and I rip yeah. the team when they underperform. Like that doesn't well, you, mean you I don't rip like anything. Them. What's that? You rip anything. I rip, well, I ripped. And we stop, you know, spreading these rumors, by the way. I do a crossover with Janssen the other night, and he's saying Mike Angelina calls him the most angry man in Philadelphia. Like, I don't, I'm not that angry. I mean, I, I, I get upset about things, but you're, 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 you're soiling my name, Mike. Oh, I am. Okay. Yeah. Call me the most angry person in Philadelphia here. Pretty angry. Well, all right. Well, whatever. I'll, I'll take it. If that's it's just my know. cross to bear, then, then that's fine. Uh, and, it's just a hot take. You know, but I, hey, this is not an angry take. This is a happy take. 
I, I hope you're they, right. I, I hope you're right. Um, you'll be cheering. I'll be contributing to your take. Yeah, I know. So, how yeah. excited would you be? Because I, you're, you are. I'll give you credit for this, Mike. You have hung in there with Ben this whole way, and you are still one of the few that I would say is still a fervent Ben Simmons fan. You'd be excited to see. You're, you're excited to see him, aren't you? Very talented player. I, I I know I'm weird to like like watching defense, but like it's I don't know. It's just I, he's a talent. He, he's one of the five best at doing what he does on that end of the court. Cherish him, you know. He's celebrate him. Treasure, yeah. Celebrate him. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, the free throws are obviously I'm annoyed by them. But yeah, you know, he's, he's a, I'm glad they keep a talented player around. I hope well, they keep him around for many years. All right. Well, we'll see. And and I want your take on it. Do you think Ben will be cheered or booed if he does take the floor next week? Uh, let's go to Josh in Nicetown. Josh, thanks for hanging, man. Appreciate it. Oh, uh, no problem. Um, good morning. Um, he, he's going to be cheered, and you know, he, 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 the Philadelphia fans, Sixers fans, are pretty classy when it comes down to you know to not giving the opponent the upper hand on some BS. Um, I think what happened when the thread came loose, started to unwind uh, for Ben Simmons and the Sixers is the Elton Brand and Magic Johnson saga. I think. Um, ben got caught up in his feelings that he couldn't stick catch, you know, uh, Magic Johnson. Then Elton Brand took it to another level where he didn't need to, talking about tampering, and it got ugly. And he got and Ben got caught up in his feelings. That's when it start. That's when the when the thread started to unwind. Is that? I, I, and I told people, I said, this is this is not going to fit well. Wait, this when when what happened? When what happened, Josh? When Elton, when Ben Simmons was actually texting, Magic oh, okay, Sam, okay, and and Elton Brand stepped it up with the league calling it tampering. That's an interesting but, theory. Yeah, that's but, an interesting theory. I forgot about that. But my only Magic was doing is telling Ben what he had to do to be like him or to develop like he had. You know what I mean? Right. And then Elton took it somewhere else. And then the disconnection between Elton and Ben, and that's when it start, that's when the threads start to unwind. And here we are. Well, that's an interesting theory, Josh. Like, I don't know if it was that. I, I mean, I think certainly Ben, I don't think, wanted to be here long term. Like, he signed the Supermax. He was always going to sign that because – you need to like you're not going to get that full value of your contract unless you sign it and right. you know i think it really did get to a boiling point after that series when you know he fails and then doc and Embiid say what they say and uh i think he really just believed like like mike had said that you know the sixers would just give him his way and allow him out but but they didn't do and, that and now we're in and, the situation we're in and and i can and and that point you know what i mean that's when that's when Ben was like, I'm out of here. But um, to Sirianni, I, I, can't, I, I can't deal with him. I, 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 I can't. I can't. This guy is another a Chip Kelly hire, okay? We're going down a Chip Kelly road, and it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Well, why do you see Chip in him, Josh? I'm worried about Sirianni, too, but but I, I, I need you to elaborate more on the Chip comparison. The, the, the plays that he called is conducive to his ego and pride and not the team, not, uh, not uh, you know, accentuating 
the players on the field, but his mastermind of uh, of calling a play. And this is this is what Chip Kelly had. He had an ego, and Sirianni had the same thing. And 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 again, I, what I say the uh, hurt is is this: all great quarterbacks don't listen to the head coach at all. They audible out and they call their own plays and to be damned what the coach is saying. Well, well, I hear you, Josh, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. Uh, I don't know if that's true because that's what Carson Wentz did last year. He didn't listen to the coach at all last year, and that's, you know, he was audible and out of plays, and that's how we got in that situation. And, you know, honestly, I'd feel better about Sirianni if I did believe that was the case, that he's calling all these pass plays because of his ego. I just, I don't know if this guy knows what he's doing. Like, that's what scares me about Sirianni. I don't know if he knows what the hell he's doing. I mean, to not have Jalen Hurts' running ability or his ability to run at least and utilizing that as a threat as like a foundational point of your offense and to just completely ignore it until the final drive of the game and then hey we were start run read option with Jalen Hurts in the final drive of the game and it's pretty effective because he's a mobile quarterback and he's very difficult to account for in the running game I don't understand that like well, it it doesn't make any sense to me they probably didn't think that it made sense to do that with Carolina's, you know, sideline, sideline speed. That, that may have just been something that they just didn't think would have worked. Well, it's fine going into the game thinking that, but, like, to not adjust a- at all, like, yeah. that should be... I And I don't care what the opponent is. Like, obviously, you're going to game plan specific to the guy, team you're facing. But there's certain stuff that should be in the game plan and mixed in every week. And, like, read option, and not right, RPOs, right. but read option with just Jalen Hurts giving it up the middle or pulling and going around the end, that should be in your plan every week to some extent. It just should. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think he's a very good coach. So I don't really have much of a defense to, uh, beyond that to offer. Right. And it, it, that part of it is concerning. Let's go to Jim in Springfield. What's up, Jim? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Uh, just real quick on Gruden. I think you said it best. Uh, it, it's not really that hard to just be a decent human being. So, I mean, you know, he should have definitely got fired. Right. One thing that is interesting, though, I'm surprised that you know, if he is this big of a racist, I, I I can't believe it wasn't sniffed out way before by his players. I mean, so many black players he's coached. Yeah, Jim, believe- I think for a lot of like, as and and this sounds like disgusting to think about and say, but people are really good at hiding this stuff. I mean, they they are. And I'm watching on Sunday Night Football before the game, and Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy are both you know sticking up for Gruden before that game, and I'm sure they probably feel pretty you know, um, wrong about doing that right now. But it, it, that's another thing that's disturbing is how easily hiding this stuff comes to people. Yeah. Well, as far as sticking up for people, the main point I wanted to get to was, um, I'm curious to see what, or I'd really like to know what the true feeling of the Sixers players are. I mean, all, a lot of them came out and supported Simmons, you know, after the season, even Embiid at one point, you know, the coaches, they all stuck up for him. But I wonder how they really feel about him. Yeah, and Jim, I think that's something we'll probably not find out until he's not part of the organization anymore. Um, But on that side of it, I think Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers and really pretty much everybody in the Sixers organization have handled this very maturely. Like, oh, definitely have. But I, I, I mean, um, he definitely wants to get traded. I mean, he said as much. He, you know, he 
he was offended that, you know, he wasn't the number one option. You know, he was the number one pick, and he felt as though he should be the number one option, not in beat. So he definitely wants to get out, you know. Yeah, that that's what I think, Jim. And and uh, do you think this can work? I mean, do you think he can come uh, back and man, play I, here? I don't know. There's so many different ways it can go. Can he just fake an injury? Uh, one, one of the things, another thing is I, I'm fooled every year. I know you've talked about it. Like the, the beginning of a Philly season, you're always, oh, man, they're going to be so good this year. Well, the same thing with Simmons. Every year, the beginning of the year, I said, oh, this is the year. He's going to be every. He's going to be all that he's supposed to be. I, I just can't believe that I'm fooled every time. And what would be crazy if, if, is if he came out and was really awesome. And then we we had well, to trade him. That, you know, that Jim, would be nuts. Jim, that would be incredible. I appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for hanging and thank you for the call. And that that would be the big – and I'm not willing to rule anything out, even though this, I think, is a like .00001% chance of actually happening. But this Simmons thing has taken so many twists and turns. You just can't predict what's going to happen next. But that would be this shocker of all shockers. As he just comes out, they they tip off that New Orleans game, give the ball to Ben, dribbles down the floor, stops at the top of the key, bangs a three. You know, that would be incredible. Uh, I don't see that happening, though. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we'll kind of reset the whole Ben Simmons thing if you're just waking up, if you didn't see it last night. Ben Simmons is reported, and we'll give you exactly how it went down. Adrian Wojnarowski uh, talking about how Ben Simmons reported to the Sixers without anybody in the organization having any clue this was actually going to happen. So we'll uh we'll we'll look at that coming back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Busy show tonight as we are dealing with the breaking news that Ben Simmons is returning to the 76ers. Um, And how it happened is so weird. Um, As... Uh, if to get you caught up on everything, Simmons is back. He shows up Monday night, seemingly unannounced at the Wells Fargo Center. Sixers were playing the Nets in preseason action on Monday, and I'm st- you start seeing tweets on the t- on the TL as they as as they say these days um, that Ben Simmons has reported, and he showed up, and he's getting a COVID test, and this came. Out of nowhere on this site, on on that on that site, on this this here site, uh, Twitter.com, uh, as Ben Simmons shows up and returns to the Sixers for the time being. But here was Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN describing the odd nature of how all this went down. The morning started with the 76ers talking to Rich Paul, uh, Ben Simmons' agent, about him coming in. Philadelphia thought he would probably come later in the week. And all of a sudden, near the opening tip tonight of that Brooklyn-Philly preseason game, I'm told that Elton Brand, who's the Sixers general manager, works with Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, gets a text message essentially saying, hey, Ben's outside the building. He needs to get in to come take his COVID test. And that's how the Sixers found out that Ben Simmons, after two weeks away in the preseason, had returned to Philadelphia. 
He took his COVID test tonight, and he is back. Uh, he is back with the organization right now. I mean, very odd that the Sixers would be talking to Rich Paul throughout the course of the day. And this is what does give you hesitation about this, because my hope is that Ben Simmons comes in, is a good soldier for however long it takes, plays, plays well, and the Sixers can move him. And I think that's honestly the best result for everybody involved is that he plays, the Sixers can trade him, he can get his way, and we can all move on, and hopefully the Sixers are a better team, and they get a better player, and Ben Simmons can go to an organization that he feels um, more comfortable with, and I don't know, maybe they utilize him the way he wants to be utilized, whatever Ben wants, hopefully he could get somewhere else that he feels he hasn't gotten here. But what worries me is that this is just him starting some BS here or this is him trying his the and clutch's latest attempt to sow chaos I mean they have leaked everything imaginable whether it's can't play with Embiid Embiid and Doc's comments the Harden rumors uh, whatever <laughs> leaks it's hard to keep track of all of them that clutch has put out over the last couple months and the fact that the Sixers will be talking to Rich Paul and not know that Ben was coming in that's odd because I have a hard time believing that Ben did this without telling Rich Paul. <laughs> like, I think Rich Paul probably knew exactly what was going on and just didn't tell the Sixers what was going on in regards to this. Maybe Rich Paul's on the hot seat. Yeah, I, Rich Paul should be on the hot seat. Now, I talked about that earlier where, like, the advice that Ben Simmons has gotten, like, to act like you have leverage when you've had none, like, he should fire Rich Paul. Without a doubt, I don't think he's going to. I I think I still think Simmons and Rich are in are in lockstep here, but doesn't seem like it. Uh, well, it doesn't. I think this is more them, you know, um, messing with the organization than anything else. Personally, like Ben could have very easily kept Rich Paul out of the loop. He could have texted Elton Brand or Daryl Morey, like he has their number, I'm sure, and elected not to. Uh, but here was more from Woj on. Uh, the the obligation that now falls on the Sixers to sell Ben Simmons on this new plan. I think now for the organization, I think it's on Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid, you know, to continue to set that tone that they're welcoming Ben Simmons back in. They want to convince him to stay long term. They want him to to reintegrate into this team. There's a lot of conversations that have to happen. Ben Simmons has not been talking with the organization at all, but now he can come in. Uh, start those conversations, see where his head is. He has wanted a trade. I think coming back in, there's some thought that by playing, it might get him to a trade quicker. But the organization wants to work on selling, reselling Ben Simmons on a future there. This is going to be fascinating how this plays out, Scott. Now that I don't believe. I think that's lip service. I think this is all about trying to find a trade and I think that's you know the Sixers want people around the league to think that they want to keep Ben long term so they don't seem like they are desperate to get out of an uncomfortable situation um but as as distasteful as this is and I understand fans a lot of fans are not going to like the idea of Ben Simmons returning and are not going to like the idea of needing to root for a guy who clearly wanted out of town and wanted nothing to do with this organization. And 
I feel like in many respects, I think a lot of the guys in that organization, Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers, feel similarly. But I do need to commend both those guys because I think they have acted calmly and maturely this entire time. And that continued after the game, where they were asked about it. Here's what Doc Rivers had to say about what he knew at that point about Ben Simmons' status. Yeah, I mean, he, um, it sounds like it. I think he did his COVID test today from from reports from Woj. I'm going to call Woj to find out what's going on. <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, it, it seems like it, which is good. Definite overlapping there, Mike, from the uh, assembled media. Mild. Mild, but enough to where it interrupted the cut. You know, it interrupted Doc there. Yeah, yeah, it, it registered, you know, on on the levels. Right. And here was Embiid uh, talking about how good to have Ben back. Uh, it's good for the organization. Uh, you know, that's something that, you know, everybody wanted. Uh, you know, I've always said that, uh, you know, I believe uh, that it gives us the best, you know, chance to win. Uh, you know, uh, we are a better team, you know, with them than without. Uh, you know, that's for sure. So, I'm happy that, you know, things are resolved and, you know, we can move on and, you know, try to try to be a better team. And we'll see how this goes. I mean, it, it I don't think is going to be easy, but I think it can work. And the reason I think it can work is because it's in everybody's best interest for it to work. It's the quickest way to a trade um, if that is the direction the Sixers end up going. And if that's the direction Ben Simmons wants it to go. And I do think that's uh, what both sides still want. Mike, you had a point you wanted to make about that second Woj cut that we had played. Yeah, it hit me listening at that time. Like, I was trying to listen for, like, what are we actually hearing here? And, like, like who's this from? And would you agree that, like, most of the leaks are clutch sports, right? The clutch camp. Definitely. Not that the, I'm not saying the Sixers have zero leaks, but I would say most. Yeah. Uh, and this Woj one, it, it just... It's like okay, so what are we hearing? And I heard that time, Woj is do, is doing clutch sports as campaigning for like, okay, you want Ben back? You want Ben back on the court? Here's what we're gonna need. We're gonna need you to recommit to him in the program. We're gonna need to recommit that he's here for the long haul. Like, it sounds like Clutch's new thing is like, all right, like you want him back? Like you, you got to tell us like how much you love us. Like that's what I heard in that Woj cut. I mean, I don't think it's impossible. I think I didn't read it that way, though. I read that more as that is Woj speaking. You know, that's Daryl Morey speaking through Woj. That's what I thought is because the Sixers, whether they can convince the league or not, the Sixers want to convince people around the league that they're perfectly fine with holding Ben like long term. That's what I think. I think they I think they want to trade him. I think they know long term. This is not a marriage that is going to work. But I think they want to make it appear to the rest of the league that it can work and that they are not in a desperate situation so they can get the best package available. That That's how I read it. Right. But who knows? I mean, you know, I think I think both are, are valid uh, interpretations of it. Yeah. No, it's just it's you're right. It's anyone's guess as to like. Right. Where Woj got that. Yeah, but he definitely somebody fed it to him. He's doing somebody's bidding. We just don't know whose bidding he's doing. 215-592-9494. Let's go to George in Downingtown. What's up, George? Hey, how you doing? Hey, Tom, man, I think you're right on with with the trade and everything, but this is my little spin. Ben's never going to change his his, his, – the leopard's never going to change his spot. Ben didn't work on his game all summer. Ben talked to his accountant and found out he was losing too much money. Now he's back in camp. You know what I mean? How do you think 
Ben's game's going to change. And, and you can't win a championship with four and a half starters. Let me hear what you got to say. Yeah, I mean, George, it's not ideal. Like, certainly, if the Sixers could have traded him for a package that they thought would have helped them get closer to a championship, they would have done it. But, but barring that, like, if you can't, if they weren't able to trade him, I do think they are a better team with him here than with him not um, if you do not complete a trade. And I do think also the best way to get him traded, the best way to get maximum value is for Simmons to come back, play well. Regular season basketball is far more conducive to the style that he plays than postseason basketball. Um, And I think if he plays well the first six to eight weeks, his value will go up. Uh, Yeah, because I don't think Ben... Vince, we, we can't win a championship with Ben, and, and 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 that's what it's all about. And and uh, and then Nick Sirianni, he needs to look down south with the, at the Ravens coach and see what he's doing. That's what he needs to do yeah. if he wants to be successful. I agree uh, wholeheartedly, George, and I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And yeah, I mean. It, you see what the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson, and it didn't look good in the first half. Lamar didn't play very well in the first half. He was tremendous in the second half of this game. And we'll look at Monday Night Football before we get out of here, and I'll give props to to number two. Uh, he did okay on Monday night. Still came out on the losing end. Um, one and four on the season, uh, but, but he played okay. Uh, Frank Reich put him in good positions, and he, and he did some nice things, but still lost the game. Still had a couple uh, – still had a really costly turnover. That is not all that surprising, um, but um, you know you look at what the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson. Jalen Hurts not as good as Lamar Jackson, but that's the style of offense you should be running more. And I want to get to Nick Sirianni when we get back. We've been talking a lot of Ben tonight, but I listened to Nick Nick Sirianni's call with with Angelo and the morning team on Monday, and I was hoping that a lot of the concerns I had would be eased. By Sirianni's comments, they were not. Uh, I feel even worse about Nick Sirianni after that call than I did prior to the call. So we'll get to some of the sound from that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for about another 45 minutes here. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Coming up next, a Gabe Kapler check-in. Gabe Kapler, one game away from the National League Championship Series. Uh, Laughing at all of us in Philadelphia as we're um, stricken with another year of Joe Girardi. Do we know yet if Middleton's doing a press conference this year? Uh, he obviously hasn't done one yet. I haven't heard anything uh, on that regard so far. It would typically be this week, right? You let about a week go by, and then John Middleton comes out and, and gives all his thoughts. Maybe maybe the PR department has gotten to him. Maybe they've realized that's not such a good idea, the owner press conferences. I'm not sure uh, swapping out um, Joe Dillon for Kevin Long is enough to get John Middleton to speak. No, but it's more like a state-of-the-team type thing. No, I think it only speaks when big changes are made, right? Well, what was what was made last year? There weren't huge changes after last season. They fired Clintac. 
Oh, that's right. They did fire Clintac. <laughs> I kind of forgot. I, I forgot Clintac, you know. And, and they just, replaced the president of, that's of right. baseball. That, that, that's that's a good point, Mike. <laughs> I, I I stand corrected. You've Thanks. you've thwarted me again. Um, but yeah, he did. He fired Gabe in 2019. Uh, fired not a potted plant sitting in the corner. Fired Clentac last year. Brought in yeah Dombo. I guess handled a lot of that stuff last week. Uh, but I'd still like to hear from Middleton. So. Yeah, because that's like McPhail would otherwise do that if there are no changes, right? And then usually Middleton's got to come out and clean up all the messes that McPhail made. Um, and Dombo. Dombo didn't have a great press conference either. I mean, you should probably know if your manager has an option for a fourth year. Why is he Dombo? Like, can we not do Dombo? I didn't start calling him Dombo. That's Bryce's name for him. Why Bryce, is it? Why is it Dave, not Dombro? Dave Dombrowski. Dombro. Nobody knows. I don't know. I mean, talk All to right, Bryce. So I, you know, I, I forgot how lockstep you are with Bryce Harper. I, I mean, talk to Bryce. I didn't give him that name. Is Bryce calls him Dombo? So I've taken a call of him calling him Dombo. Um, but uh, probably should know if your manager has an option for that fourth year. Uh, but it does tell you they weren't thinking it, of picking up that. Option. He's not even like trying to explore. To, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he thinks Girardi's done a great job apparently, but that would tell you probably not because they really thought he did a great job prior to picked up that fourth year option. Um, but talking he did about fine. Ben, he did a good job for us. Talking about Ben Simmons much of the night here so far, but I did need to get to Nick Sirianni and tomorrow night we'll do a lot of preview for the Bucks game coming up on Thursday night. Really quick turnaround here. And tomorrow night's my last shift of the week. So we'll do a lot of prep for the Thursday night game against the Bucks tomorrow. But I, I was very interested to hear what Nick Sirianni would have to say on Monday morning following that win against the Panthers that in some ways felt like a loss. Uh, the team gets the victory, but they weren't impressive. The offense did not play well. Jalen Hurts was not impressive for much of the day. More penalties, more mistakes. And I was hoping that Nick Sirianni would come on and ease some concerns that I had and I think a lot of Eagles fans had following that game. But that was not the case. And Nick Sirianni instead said a lot of things that only reaffirmed my fears and contributed more to you know, believing that he does not know what he's doing. And to start off here, uh, it began with him talking about Jalen Hurts. And as I was doing the show last night, my chief criticism coming out of that game was the offensive game plan. And for the life of me, not being able to understand why the Eagles do not utilize Jalen Hurts' best ability and most unique ability, which is his legs in the run game. Here was Nick Sirianni uh, when asked about why he didn't run with Hurts more until the final drive. Absolutely. Jalen Hurts uh, did not run much until it really mattered late in the game, Coach. Um, was that by design? Were you waiting for the right moment uh, to nail him? He got You got him three or four times uh, in that final drive for the win. Yeah, you know, um, well, what we saw from this team is it wasn't a big part of the plan initially. Um, but you know what? The credit to the to the Panthers, they played us a little different, right? Uh, they played us a little different. They did, gave us some unscouted looks, and it was some adjustments that we made in the game to to get to those uh, in the in the second half. That just doesn't make sense to me. Like, and Mike and I talked about it briefly earlier that maybe that wouldn't initially be a focal point because Carolina is a fast defense. They have a lot of speed side to side guys like Brian Burns who can, you know, play sideline to sideline. 
But when your offense isn't working and your plan's not working, you go back to the things that should be like the bread and butter foundation basis of your offense. And when Jalen Hurts is your quarterback, read option runs with him and whether it's Sanders or Gainwell, whoever's in the backfield, that should be like a bread and butter play for you. That should be something that is always in the game plan and you run eight to ten times just out of routine because it's very difficult to defend a quarterback like Jalen Hurts in that way. You see teams like Baltimore. You see teams like Arizona. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They are running that play ten times every game just to keep that threat of Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson running in the defense's mind. And the fact that that wouldn't be in your plan and wouldn't be something you're consciously thinking about throwing at the defense to give them that look throughout the course of the game makes no sense to me. It it makes no sense whatsoever. Here's more from Sirianni on the coaches helping him out, uh, giving him plays to run during the game. I, I got so many good offensive coaches here. Um, that we're able to, to, to help out in, in these situations. And, and, you know, Brian Johnson, I can't say enough about him as our, our quarterback coach, just really knowing what Jalen likes and knowing what, you know, what, what he sees. Um, he did a great job. Shane Steichen did a great job of just feed, uh, feeding me ideas uh, to call. Kevin Petulo did a great job. Uh, and then, you know, Jason Michael and, and, and Jeff Stoutland, they did a good, good job of just getting me some runs that, uh, we, that we felt like could work. And so, um, but yeah, the, 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 the runs with, with Jalen just kind of came as a product of what they were doing to us in the first half. So, um, it was just, you know, it was just good offensive adjustments by our coaching staff. And then players going out and executing those adjustments that maybe they didn't rep all week um, just because that's what was going to be working in that game that day. Again, like, why are you not practicing something that should be a foundational point of your offense during the week? And why does it take till the final drive to adjust? Like, I don't understand that. Why does it take till the final drive to realize, okay, well, the thing that Jalen Hurts does best, maybe that's something we should try. Maybe that's something that would work. And he lists off all the coaches. Is he talking to every coach on the offensive side during games and just has guys giving him plays? I mean, he named every single person on that offensive staff in that cut as far as guys who are giving him plays during the course of the game. I don't think it's good for Nick Sirianni to have all these voices in his head throughout the course of a game. Like, you need to have a a plan, but deviate from that plan when it's not working. And Jalen Hurts running the football utilizing his mobility is something that should be a bread and butter foundational point of your offense that you are running every single week. You're working on it during the week. You're you you have these plays in your game plan every time you go out to play. And the fact that Jalen Hurts or that Nick Sirianni doesn't is the first thing that concerns me. Now, this next one is that really what really worries me here. Because one of the mo- most frustrating plays in this game was when the Eagles had yet another touchdown taken back due to a penalty. Fourth and goal, quick slant to Devontae Smith, caught for a touchdown, ends up being negated by another offensive pass interference penalty. And immediately you're looking at that and you're thinking, how does this happen again? What exactly are you teaching How do you not avoid these same mistakes that continue to happen week after week after week? And watching it, it was clear, without a rewatch, on first watch, it was clear that was a penalty. Like, it was 
painfully obvious that that was a penalty on the Eagles. You knew the flag was coming out. You knew the play was coming back. Well, Nick Sirianni was asked about that play on Monday morning. Here's what he had to say. I just have to do a better job of teaching the techniques. I've been teaching the technique that Greg Ward uh, used yesterday for 12 years now in the NFL. And what happened yesterday is the defensive back initiated that con- that contact. And, and you know what? But that's, a hard, that's hard for the referees to see. So Greg's going and he's running around. And you can kind of see the defensive back say, oh, man, I'm beat. I'm going to run into him. That, that's just not what happened. Like, that's not what happened on that play. Nick Sirianni, I mean, that's blaming the refs, essentially, for Greg Ward committing a penalty. That was a penalty that Greg Ward committed. The defender did not initiate contact. Greg, Greg Ward ran right at the guy, basically blocked him, giving Devontae Smith a clear route to the ball and clear route to the end zone. And the fact that Nick Sirianni, you know, doesn't see... That there is an issue with either the way you're teaching, and he says, "Oh, I've been teaching guys to do that for you. You've been teaching your receivers to just run into defensive backs, because that's what Ward did. That was n- I rewatched it. That was not initiated by the defender at all, and it's like he's doubling down week after week after week as you're committing these penalties, and that's uh, extremely worrisome that he still doesn't see." What his own team and what he did wrong. Like, he fully believes that they did nothing wrong. That the Eagles executed that play the way it was meant to be executed. And if he truly believes that, these mistakes are going to keep happening. And things are not going to get fixed. And I just, uh, that is the most concerning thing to me at this point. That when you see the mistakes happening every single week... And you ask, are they going to get corrected? Are they going to get get rectified here? Um, they won't if Nick Sirianni doesn't understand that the these things are, are, are penalties to begin with. And he certainly doesn't seem to get that. Doesn't seem to get that the design of his play, and maybe that's why they have so many ineligible men downfield, because he doesn't realize that it's his design, it's what he's coaching that is contributing to a lot of these mistakes. It's not the refs. It's not the, you know, they're watching your team extra hard. It's not that they're out to get the Eagles, as he said, you know, while well, they're watching us really closely now. Well, you're committing penalties because you're designing plays that are putting your players in position to commit penalties and get called for penalties. And that's the problem it's not the refs, Nick. And the fact that he didn't understand on that play that the Eagles were to blame and that Greg Ward did something illegal, uh, that really is concerning moving forward. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Frank in Jersey. What's up, Frank? Hi. uh, Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, I agree with what you were saying about Sirianni. Um, You made a comment about Girardi. I'm kind of in favor of Joe Girardi. I think the Phillies are lucky to have him. But I, I, I would like to say something about Sirianni, though. Sure. Well, but, but, but real quick, Frank, what do you like about Girardi? You think he's done a good job these first two years here? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, in, what, you know, in what way? Well, look at the bullpen. It's a hodgepodge of guys that they tried to get with low ball offers rather than go out and get a good closer. And... You know, Joe is just look, trying to get guys out in different situations and seeing what he's got. 
Well, what about um, well, it, he always makes the wrong decision though. He never goes to the right guy in the right spot. <laughs> well, when you got a bunch of Joes that you don't know what you got, you got to try them out and see what happens. So, well, I mean, I the the bullpen was better when Kapler was here, and he had worse talent back there. You know, that may be, that may be, and maybe Kapler is a better manager. But you know, I think Kapler hung himself with his remarks when he came here before he even started. I guess. I mean, I'd rather have a manager who's good than a guy who. who <laughs> You know, people like to listen. I, I personally don't like the things Girardi has to say either, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's done a very good job. But as far as Sirianni, um, and you know, you got this owner who came here, and he had an idea of what football's about, and then he comes from the West Coast and he wants a West Coast offense. I mean, what do you think Sirianni fed him when he, when the interview went down? Uh, did did he throw the ball? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, I mean, he doesn't run the ball. I mean, look what happened to Doug. Doug went, was it a couple of years ago? Doug went into Green Bay and he had Jordan Howard and he ran the ball down the Packers' throat and they won the game. It was the only game Green Bay lost at home that year. Yeah. And after, after the game, what happened? Yeah, well, they had a meeting, Frank. And I think, I don't know, I, I personally, the way I see this, um, I disagree with like, this assessment that Doug got berated for winning the game that way. And, you know, if you read the piece in The Athletic, those guys talk about these meetings were were normal. And I don't think it's abnormal for a coach to be questioned about why he's doing the things he's doing. And, I mean, it was also reported that he wasn't being, like, admonished for this. It was basically just explaining why he was calling the plays he was calling. Yeah, but why should he? Now, now did you see that the... the uh... Did you see the little video take of Jalen Hurts going into the locker room after a Carolina game? I did not. So he goes into the locker room. Fans are congratulating him. He talks to a couple of low-level people, and they're shaking his head, and, you know, congratulating him. And as soon as Jalen Hurt goes into the locker room, guess who walks in? Who? Jeffrey Lurie. Okay. Looking like the, looking like the, the, the prime rooster crowing after the game. Like, he is too involved in the decisions of the game, and he doesn't know the game. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I wouldn't disagree with that, Frank, and and I, I appreciate the call. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie should be involved in football decisions, but I'll say I it's not abnormal for an owner to be in the locker room after the game like that on its on its own. Uh, I'm not going to read into. I don't think that is in itself concerning. Uh, owners go into locker rooms after games. Now, if Nick Sirianni is having it dictated to him the plays that they want him to call, yeah, that would be a problem. And again. I'll continue to say on this what what I've been saying. I, I and maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm an idiot. Um I find it very hard to believe that Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman would self sabotage themselves. And if you're telling Nick Sirianni we gotta throw the ball fifty times a game when Jalen Hurts is your quarterback, that's what you're doing. You're self sabotaging yourself. I think, you know, the uh, conspiracy theories are a little too deep. I think it's as simple as Sirianni just at this point doesn't really know what he's doing. Like uh, that's what I have taken from these first few games. And when you hear him describe something like that offensive pass interference call, that would lend you to believe that where he doesn't think the Eagles did anything illegal on that play. He doesn't think Greg Ward did anything wrong on that play. That is massively concerning when everybody watching at home, everybody, every fan on their couch could see that was a clear offensive pass interference. 
And for him to come on the radio the next morning and say, oh, essentially it was a bad call and that the defender initiated the contact is just ridiculous and it's completely inaccurate. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, we will do a Gabe Kapler check-in. Um, and the Gabe check-ins will last as long as he lasts in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Gabe now one game away from eliminating the juggernaut that is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Get another shot. At, he'll get his shot at that uh, tonight as they play in game four. But we'll hear from Gabe coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Well, there was Brian Anderson, or B.A. is uh, you'd like to call him, Mike, on the call on TBS as the Giants take a 2-1 to series lead in this best of five, a one nothing old-fashioned pitcher's duel in this one. By the way, Brian Anderson's really good on baseball. I, yeah, I really like enjoy him. Three hits from the Giants, too. How about that? Uh, so the Giants, but the, but the one hit was the big one from Longo. Yep. Evan Longoria going deep. What inning was that? Third inning? Or pretty early on in this fifth, game, right? I thought. Okay. Well, I don't. Whatever. I don't know. Um. Uh. It was the fifth inning. Uh. That Longoria hit that homer. Uh. And then Gabe, you know, pretty masterful work with the bullpen in this one. Alex Wood gets through four and two thirds. Then he it, goes. It to took Rogers. the Kevin Cash approach, where only let the Dodgers face your starter twice. Then you pull him. Yeah. I mean, good point. It worked out in the in this way. Goes to Rogers. Then then McGee. Great play, Mike. You saw me getting all yes. fired up in uh, my studio as I was prepping for the show is Craw, Brandon Crawford. Heck of a play at shortstop. Mookie Betts hits a screaming liner. Uh, would have given, would have tied the ball game up. Uh, Dodgers would have tied it up at one, but Brandon Crawford, a huge leaping play to save that run from scoring. And then uh, the Giants able to close it out uh, and get the uh, get the one nothing victory, and they take the two two one series lead. Six out save from rookie Camilo Duvall, which is you know pretty gutsy by uh, by Gabe trusting him. Are, are you featuring him in the check in? Yeah, let's do it now. You are okay. So, Gabe, I guess between innings between the eighth, eighth and the ninth, uh, after Duvall successfully retired the Dodgers in order in the eighth inning, Gabe went to check on him for uh, his availability in the ninth, and Duvall left little doubt. What was your reaction when Gabe told you you were going out for a second inning tonight? Me dijo, one more, le dije, I got it, puppy, I'm ready. <laughs> no translation needed on that one, right? I just love the, visio, video, the visual of Duval saying to Gabe, I got it, Poppy. And Gabe, just a big, you know, smile coming across his face and just, you know, maybe giving him a little punch in the chest, like, all right, brother, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And sending him out for that ninth inning. Uh, yeah, just to note, like how inexperienced Duvall is. Twenty nine career games going into this postseason. Wow, and 
Gabe, you know, big outs. Trust him in a big spot. I was. It was funny during the NL wild card game to see uh, our old buddy Luis Garcia out there getting yeah. big outs for the Cards. Couldn't throw strikes, but somehow got out of it. Made a great defensive play, though. A yeah, really yeah. good defensive play in that inning. He ignored Yachty calling him off. <laughs> yeah, he did. And Yachty usually doesn't like that. But uh, Gabe, I guess, what do we have tonight? Some Gabe post-game sound? Yeah, so we heard Gabe. Uh, well, this is actually pre-game. This is, it's going to be a mix. It's going to be a mix uh, okay. tonight, pre and post. Gabe, uh, you know, we talked about the back end of the game, but back to the front with Alex Wood. This is just Gabe being Gabe. Because it's a really weird amount of detail about this auxiliary garage they built and how it uh, pertains to Alex Wood's pregame routine. What does Alex typically do uh, day before a big start like this? He was out on the field with with Craig Albernaz and and Andrew Bailey. I think just kind of throwing a flat ground and, and a very light one. Um, and then he was in our garage. We've got uh, two kind of training facilities right now. One is in the clubhouse. Um, it's a smaller facility, and then we have what used to be a parking lot for us um, out. In, in left field, um, which is a player's parking lot, and we turned that into um, an additional kind of training facility with, with some turf and a mound. Um, and he was just kind of going through some um, machine sprint work, but light stuff. Um, and then also very capable of engaging in a, in a strategy conversation as well. So, yeah, really, really has his, his head about him right now. So they just have him out there. They set up like a an extra mound in like the middle of the Chavez ravine parking lot, essentially. I think this is in San Francisco. Oh okay. yeah. All right. Uh, well, I was confused yeah. because he said pregame. I, I thought this was what he was doing on Monday. So yeah, I guess, I guess they flew to San Francisco right before. Ah. Um, I guess cause you can. Right to Los the Angeles. Media so, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. It's a pretty quick flight. But yeah, that was just a bizarre amount of detail about, uh, that, garage they set up it really had nothing to do with alex woods pregame i like the way he said sprint work you know he's doing some sprint work (laughs) engaged in some strategy meeting yeah so uh okay that was what was going on before the game we have any more pregame stuff uh i think we're both postgame now okay this one is albert Pujols went two for two in the game really wow yeah but uh, I, i didn't i didn't i wasn't paying too close attention but uh uh yeah i didn't know Pujols was getting a ton of a ton of time for them yeah, so Gabe was asked how he could still do it at this this age, and this is a very strange answer. Experience, um, you you have this file in your brain. Albert does, Alex Wood does, Buster Posey does. You've seen the pitch come out of the hand so many different times from so many different angles, and had success with your barrel accuracy, or in in Alex's or a pitcher's case, and. Um, knowing just what to do after you see a specific swing, you read the swing and you want to go somewhere else. And you're able to access bigger, more robust files. And then, you know, if you're exceptionally gifted, talented, like these guys are, it's the combination of being able to access you know, those pictures, those images and those files and, and the talent that, that leads them to their success on the field even later in their careers. It's, it's cuts like that that make me realize truly how much I miss this guy. Like just as a content machine, I wish he was the manager of this team. Forget about the fact that he's just a 10 times better manager than Girardi just for the content. Right. I miss this guy so much. He's, I mean, he's a gift. He's, 
he really is. We didn't we didn't appreciate him enough. I, I think here. we did. We did. Uh, yeah, but uh, not we had not a great in, tribute to him. When, yeah, when you said we, goodbye to him. well, you you did. You it was your idea. Yeah, but you you put it together. Um, uh, but he's just the 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 robust files. Uh, is just tremendous stuff. Well, about why is this go to comparison to when talking about Albert Pujols? His go to comparison to Alex Wood. Yeah, yeah, I guess he's just trying to pump up his starting pitcher. You know, he's trying to pump up his starting pitcher, and Gabe, especially after a game like that, he just wants to, you know, to talk. He just wants to go quickly. The last one, uh, it's probably the best one. Gabe uh, at game two, I believe, was on the same field as Jerry Rice and Steve Young because they were part of the pregame. Gabe was a big, uh, he's still a big football fan. His, his sons play football. He loves football. Chase. Yeah, Chase. He uh, had a chance to talk to them, but here he'll, he'll explain why he didn't really have time to. Well, I mean, that was very cool for me to, to sort of bump into Steve Young and Jerry Rice uh, pregame. And we had our meeting at home plate right after, so there wasn't a whole lot of time to, to stop and chat. Um, but I'll say, like, you know, those two guys on the field at the same time is a, a real thrill for me having, you know, growing up and watching those guys. So, you know, uh, mid-80s to, you know, mid-90s football and basketball, kind of my my sweet spot growing up. And it was kind of a little bit surreal, you know, feeling compelled to, you know, walk over there and shake their hands. They were kind of both engaged in, in their pregame activities, and I knew how I had my pre-game activities, but that was a that was a very cool and special moment for me, and one I won't soon forget. So I don't, I, I'm I'm confused. Why wasn't he able to go over and say hi? He had a He's engaged in his pre-game activities. Um, he was probably talking strategy with Alex Wood. Yeah, and you know who knows what he's doing with the coconut oil. Uh, but oh, come on. Well, you know you got to throw coconut oil. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Howard. <laughs> um, but. That's Gabe. He's one game away from the NLCS, um, and uh, good luck to him. You know, kicking I, ass and taking names. I want to continue to. We'll, we'll continue to monitor this situation. Hopefully, he can well, get it done. Well, the other thing is, you know, the more Gabe wins, the more celebrity encounters he'll have. Yeah, um, man, Gabe in the World Series would be would be just off the charts. But uh, uh, we'll see if Gabe can get it done tonight. Uh, thank you, Mike, for providing us with that check in. When we get back. Wrap up the show. I see John. We'll get to you. Um, if you want to get in on the Eagles, we'll recap the Ben Simmons situation once more. And I do need to give a brief report on Monday Night Football, uh, which was a perfect result for the Eagles. And the Eagles draft pick situation right now is looking glorious. I mean, better by the day. Uh, so we will... Um, Give you an update on that. We also got to do our WIP fantasy update. I almost Howie, forgot about that. You nailed that one for sure. Uh, he did. this uh, In terms of maybe not the free agent signings, but certainly the the uh, trades, how he did a good job of uh, setting uh, the Eagles up with these draft picks. So we'll look at all that stuff coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. 
with you on this Tuesday morning. And it should be an eventful day as we deal with the, the next steps, I guess, as Ben Simmons is in Philadelphia, reported to the Sixers last night, during a preseason game, or I guess pro- just prior to tip-off of a preseason game. Now, I don't know. what, what it, Now, Ben, I'm guessing, didn't stay at the Wells Fargo Center for this game. Um, he reported to the arena to have his COVID test done. Um, and then I'm, I guess he just left. I don't know. I kind of get the feeling it'd be talked to him at some point, right? It, right? I don't know. He'd seem like informed and up to speed. I feel like, the, well, I think the Sixers probably got him up to speed. But I feel like this is a situation where today is when Ben meets with the people in the organization and Doc and Maury and uh, and Embiid and they figure everything out uh, today in, over in Camden. Um, but it was odd yesterday. Sixers communicating with Rich Paul throughout the course of the day. And here was Woj um, on how this went down and how Ben reported to Philadelphia. The morning started with the 76ers talking to Rich Paul, uh, Ben Simmons' agent, about him coming in. Philadelphia thought he would probably come later in the week. And all of a sudden, near the opening tip tonight of that Brooklyn-Philly preseason game, I'm told that Elton Brand, who's the Sixers general manager, works with Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, gets a text message essentially saying, hey, Ben's outside the building. He needs to get in to come take his COVID test. And that's how the Sixers found out that Ben Simmons, after two weeks away in the preseason, had returned to Philadelphia. He took his COVID test tonight, and he is back. Uh, he is back with the organization right now. I mean, just odd. And this this story, which has taken fifty different turns since the end of the Atlanta series, continues to just get weirder and weirder. Well, how about he calls? He doesn't call the president who tried to trade him to Houston. He calls the ex. GM who uh, gave him the max. I guess he's still the GM who gave him the max extension. Well, I don't even know if that's who he called because Woj reported he called Elton, right? No, Woj said that Elton got a call that Ben is outside. Huh. So I, I I don't know what what is he just pulling up at security and it's like I'm Ben Simmons. I need to get in and take a COVID test. And <laughs> Elton Brand probably thinks he's getting pranked. Like who is this idiot who thinks you know Ben Simmons is out at the arena? But uh, Ben was there. And he got his COVID test. Apparently, he's meeting with Doc and Elton and Daryl Morey today. And they'll plan on next steps. Here's more from Woj on what those next steps could be. Now, the way I read that, I think that is, you know, lip service largely. I think that is Daryl Morey trying to put it out there and the Sixers trying to put it out there that, yeah, we want to keep Ben long term, get him in your play. You don't look desperate and then you can trade him at some point. 
Mike, you read it a little differently. You think that could be them really looking to keep him long term. Well, I read it as that's that's clutch speaking. That's not okay. the Sixers speaking. Cause it, to try to save face a little bit, maybe. Well, I, I just think it's they're just kind of like putting out there like, hey, like y- you want Ben back, like sell us on this. Like right. tell us you know, how much you love and how much you want to keep him. Because I got the feeling postgame that Rivers was not quite sh- – Rivers and the Sixers organization weren't quite sure what was being told to Woj. If it was being leaked from the Sixers, they may have been a little bit more up to speed on it. Right. Well, I don't think Doc knew because he was coaching the game, but Darren Morey could have very well known. But who? Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows what is. Yeah, it's guessing. Yeah, it is all. It's all. That, one thing we know about the Ben Simmons situation is we really don't know much, and we don't know what's going to happen next. And I wouldn't be surprised with whatever comes out of Tuesday. I wouldn't be surprised if he practices and they say he'll be in the lineup next Wednesday night. I wouldn't be surprised if things in the meeting go poorly and he's on a flight back to California by Tuesday afternoon. Like, either way, who knows what could end up happening here. Do you think uh, something happens and then Rachel Nichols is standing by to interview him? I do not. I don't think this is a Jimmy situation uh, where he's coming in and, and certainly he's not beating Joel Embiid with backups at practice. He and uh, Shake. And, yeah, uh, I don't. Who don't, else would be in it? B-Ball Paul. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. But uh, should be interesting. And, and I said my hot take of the night earlier on was if Ben Simmons is playing for the Sixers next Friday night at the home opener against Brooklyn, when he is introduced, I think he gets a standing ovation from Sixers fans. Not one that he deserves, not one that he's earned, but Sixers fans being the odd and rare breed they are, like our very own Mike Angelina, who still is a big fan of Ben Simmons, I think I think he'll be supported. I think he'll be largely supported, um, and as Doc tells us, celebrate him. I think he'll be celebrated next Friday night if he does step on the floor in a Sixers uniform. He can cram in a lot of uh, you know a lot of the Harper and Sirianni methods to you know pander to fans i don't think that's he's got time that's not ben's that's not ben's Ben's way uh but uh we'll see how it goes uh let's get john and wayne in here what's up john hey great show again tonight tom you know you you got a picture what what goes on here i go to bed and i put my earphones in and i listen you know right from like about midnight okay so you provoke me enough to to, say damn it i gotta get gotta get out of bed and run down and call this guy again (laughs) and i want it and i want to call and kudos to uh, to uh, Mike for the comment about Simmons ringing the bell. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah yeah. <laughs> I, I for some reason, John, I don't think that was Ben's request that he wants to ring the bell on opening yeah, night. Yeah, right. Yeah. Listen, and I think it's as simple as what George from Downingtown called in about and said. It's all about the money, man. I mean, I think his agent came to him and said, "Dude, you're not getting paid." All right. right. You got to get in there because otherwise you're not going to get a paycheck. Right. Well, that's the and, thing with the agent, John, is that's why if I was Simmons, I'd fire Rich Paul because I think Rich Paul gave him this advice, you oh, know, and, and yeah. this is cost. And Simmons got to be looking at it sitting at home like you're costing me a ton of money here. Yeah. And I agree. You know what? And I agree with you that they're going to get him in here and get him in there, get hope that he plays well and then trade him as soon as they can. Yeah. All right. But listen, here's why I, the other reason, the main reason I called you that, that, that got me out of bed to come down here and say, listen, you play Sirianni. You got to play the rest of that clip where he talks about how they uh, teach this technique to ward. And he said, it's basically, it's like a guy playing chicken. He says, we've all played chicken. Those were his words. I heard, I heard the press conference. We've yeah. all played, I heard his conversation to, uh, what's his name, to uh, the, the man in the morning. To Angelo, right? yeah. yeah. Angelo. Say, 
you run at the guy, okay, and you're playing chicken. And before you run into him, you gotta you gotta move out of the way. So he, he without throwing Ward under the bus, he basically said that that's what happened. But I'll tell you something right now. I jumped off my couch and I said, this, this the, the defender faked. He he knew he was beaten, and 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 Sirianni was right about that. He knew he was beaten, and he purposely threw his hands up in the air. You go watch that tape again. Threw his arms up in the air like, oh my god, this guy knocked right into me. Right. He was that was a bad call, and you know what? Ray Didinger confirmed as much. He said they they didn't used to call that as much as they now are calling it. Okay. Yeah, but, but John, I heard Ray's call. Ray also said he disagreed with Sirianni's appraisal that he, it was a bad he, call. He, he said it was a he said it was a penalty. Okay, but I think it was more of Sirianni saying taking the blame, not throwing his guy under the bus, and saying I got to teach the technique better. All right, uh-huh. but it's not like you said this guy didn't go running right out and block him. All right, he he really didn't. It, <laughs> you know, you run. As a defender, you got to you got to get underneath that, or you got to slide across from that. Look at this. Look at the play that they scored on, where they where they brought a guy over into a bunch, and they had three three receivers there. Mm-hmm. Remember, the guy was wide open on third down when they scored on the Eagles. They threw a quick pass, and he was wide open. Right. You had you had the outside backer or the outside defender for the Eagles. At, at the when that guy moved over there on offense. He waved his hand so that the guy behind him, the defensive back or the safety, whoever the hell it was. Yeah, and Anthony Harris didn't say I think it was, was it Harris or was it Harris was the one. Harris and Wilson, I think, were both in the area, and I think Harris was the one who screwed it up. I I thought, all right, either Harris or I thought it might have been Epps. But he waved his hand saying, hey, you take the outside guy now. They got confused, Mm -hmm. and, and two guys covered the guy in the middle, and boom, the guy's standing out there. It's like, how the hell could that happen? Okay. But, no. you know, I, I just think, I totally disagree. You're making this guy Sirianni sound like, a, uh, sound like an idiot. He's coached in the league for 12 years. Well, okay? no, John, I appreciate it. And I, I'm sorry, I got to run uh, wrapping up the, the show here. But, like, I just disagree with him. Like, and I get his point. I just don't see it the same way. You got to, your receiver can't put himself in that kind of position where the defensive back can run into him. And he's too close. Like, he didn't run the route right. You you can't be in that sort of situation. Like you see, there's that way Zach Ertz did it week one in Atlanta. He did it the right way. Greg Ward, a younger player, maybe not with the same level of experience. Yeah, you do got to coach it up better. And and I just I don't agree with Nick Sirianni. I don't think that was a situation where Greg Ward did everything right. Um, he didn't. And and the Eagles got to be better prepared. And real quick before we get out of here, I did want to just mention Monday Night Football. Talked about a little earlier. Ravens. Comeback victory, beat the Colts 31-25, but a good night for the draft picks. Carson Wentz plays the entire game. Carson Wentz plays pretty well. He's up to 30% of the projected snap total for the Colts this year, so he's about he's clo- getting close to halfway. Eagles need him to get to 75% or 70% in a playoff berth. Colts fall to 1-4, the Dolphins are 1-4, and, and the Eagles draft pick status is looking beautiful right very good very very good thank you paul uh and the colts stay in the mix we'd like to see the titans keep losing too so the colts can stay in the mix in that division um but a good night for the eagles on that front that'll do it for tonight thanks to mike for producing i will be back on tomorrow um we'll give you the latest on ben simmons talk a lot of eagles and uh look ahead to the tampa bay 
Buccaneers on Thursday night. All that coming up tomorrow. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.